All right. Do you want to do a show or what do you want to? Uh, yeah. All right. Sure. Thank God. I got up. To, I took a shower for this. Oh. You're <laughs> supposed to shower. I don't like when you look at me with a confused look that says, "Oh, <laughs> oh you did," because I'm not seeing it. You know, that's it not, didn't take. Uh, you know, that's. I think that's the hardest part. I think of being a parent and doing drop-offs. Uh, which is great, by the way. No more uh, elementary school. So I actually, oh. I am no longer on an on-campus parent. Well, actually, I, I was one for like one second. And my oldest son, uh, who's in high school, they were like, you're not going to hang out here, are you? coming around, right? Cause we don't, because that that's sucks. Not, that's not, you no. don't, you're, we're done with you. As We don't need anybody from Friday Night Lights or Hoosiers coming around here. Yeah. Psycho parents. The drunk Dennis Hopper showing up. <laughs> so I'm very uh, hyper aware of that. But no, it's like. So, but you still have to make a, a choice when you get in your... Like here, in, there's no busing system per se, so... Right. You're um, taking the kids I'm to school. I'm taking the kids to school, so I'm always like, Everyone oh, I can see how you. I look, whatever. And it was funny, today, I'm driving down the street, and somebody honks their car, uh, honks at me in their car, and I look, and they're like, waving, hey! And I was like, you know, like sometimes you're not quite sure who somebody is, and you don't react like the same... You don't give back. The amount of energy they're giving towards you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I kind of was like, hey. You gave them a couple fingers, and yeah, how you doing? And the whole time I was like, who was that? problem was they kept driving somewhere close to me as I'm driving, and, and I'm, like, trying to look in my rearview mirror. Look at going, them, yeah. God, who is that? Who is it? And then I finally get to a, 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 my last stop light, and I'm turning right. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're going to close that door so the dogs will stop barking. I already hate you. Close both of them. Go all the way in. I forgot. Or is that one closed already? Uh, for those of you who don't know, while John is walking away, we, we have a... Uh, we uh, do a, a dog, uh, a double-down door dog uh, enclosure so the dog stops not barking if I hear John's voice. So anyway, so I get to that last stop sign. I look in my rearview mirror. person waves one last time. And I was like, hey, again. Still, because I'm confused. Three seconds afterwards, I'm like, holy shit, that was Aaron Hayes. And But I wasn't for sure. So right. then I text her and I go, uh, Were you just did waving I just at see me? Her? And she's like, "Yeah, idiot." <laughs> yeah. So she obviously picked up on my apathetic. Yeah, she was like, she, "He clearly doesn't know it's me. <laughs> Otherwise, there might be a little more enthusiasm in the wave. <laughs> Possibly some sort of a smile to accompany that. Maybe a head nod." But to my credit, she said I did dye my hair. So she just got done doing Bill and Ted Three, and I'm uh-huh. wondering <laughs> if they. And I'm wondering if they. Colored her hair in that. So I think she's playing Keanu Reeves' wife. Oh, my God. She plays one of their wives. I cannot wait to see that movie. I, I got to be honest. I'm pumped for Matrix 4. I'm pumped for Bill and Ted 3. So this is a, is this a Keanu Reeves renaissance? Is that what's happening because of John Wick? Now all we, of a sudden we're... I mean, if you want to call it a renaissance, I feel... I mean, he's always been around. I'm not saying he's, he's been around. Right. He's always been around. But remember, he used to be the butt of a joke. He used to be, after Point Break, people were like kind of mocking him and like ha 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 now when you go back and watch point break now it's a great movie and keanu reeves not only is he a worthwhile entertainer he's for everything i've read and everything i've seen online is one hell of a human being yeah you know what i mean like yeah this is a guy who who is not who easily could be some weird Celebrity, you know what I mean. He could be, yeah, but yeah. but then the, you see pictures of him on the red line, riding the subway in L.A. <laughs> First of all, almost nobody does that, <laughs> and for a celebrity of his, you know, uh, billing, 
to be on the red line is hilarious. But also, he's saved people from car accidents. He's like, he's done. The guy is, he gives people money. He's he's insanely cool. Like I love Keanu Reeves, and I think if the if the resurgence is is because of these movies, or I, I'm all for it. Like the John Wick movies are some of that's those are the best action movies out right now. You know, I've only seen the first one, and I don't it's know awesome. I haven't gotten around to seeing the other two. Well, I, it's the same reason. I saw the second one. I haven't seen the third one yet. But like I'm waiting for Nicole to watch. I think you say you're waiting for four, the fourth one. I'm like, Calm no, down. but there's gonna be a fourth. one. Well, I hope know, there's course. a fourth one. I mean, well, if there's look, a fourth Matrix out of nowhere, then dude, dude, yeah. I'm assuming the Matrix thing. The reason why I was saying a Renaissance is because Bill and Ted Three, yeah, Matrix Four, the last Matrix was what, well over a decade ago or something like uh, that. And I the guess. last Bill and Ted was well, that was way. <laughs> if you watch it, just so you know. Because as we all know now, I love watching Amazon Prime and watching old movies. Mm-hmm. If you watch a trailer for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, it looks like you are watching something from ancient history. Yeah. Like, that's how old that movie feels yep. when you watch the trailer for it. Yeah, and I'm telling you, man, I wa- I saw that movie in the theater, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Well, there was no other choice back then. No, of course VHS. not. VHS. Exactly, which it wasn't out yet on VHS. So I saw it in the theater probably a couple times. VHS, for those who are listening that are millennials. It's a tape contraption that is trapped inside of a piece of plastic box. Video? What does it even stand for? Huh? What does VHS stand for? Uh, video Hi-Fi System? I think you're right, I but no I'm not, I don't know either. Well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll ask our guest. Maybe he knows when he comes in. We'll uh, ask him as okay. well. So anyway, so by the way, uh, Target is now selling Make It a Blockbuster Night t-shirts. So we have now. So now, Blockbuster has finally hit. It's retro. It's officially now. long enough because it's been almost ten years, right? Since Blockbuster. Well, there was one. Their doors. There, there's one in Alaska. But those. But <laughs> the idea of yeah, Blockbuster is gone. Is yeah. gone. 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 Yeah, it's yeah. been at least a decade, right? So now, I'm like, my kids don't know what Blockbuster is. No. So that, if they got that shirt, it would be ironic, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Kind of like the Ramones shirts you're seeing everybody wearing out, right? <sighs> yeah. I'm yeah. okay. I don't mean to get you upset. No, no, no. It's just I know, it's you're, just... I know you're in the process of making your rock and roll quilt. So. <laughs> I already I made it. Oh, you did? Okay. It's good. It's done. I loved it. I still think you should have turned it into a jacket. That would have been way better. That's <laughs> stupid. I could just cut a hole in it and make it a poncho. Or a cape. A cape. Yeah. What is this? It's my rock and roll cape. <laughs> wow, that's the most un-rock and roll thing you could possibly do with all those or shirts. Or is it? It is. I don't know. You want to bring our guest in? Yeah, we should. All right. Well, he's somebody that I've known for a long time. Um, could, we'll find out approximately how long when we talk, because I don't remember, but it's been a long, Well, long if you time. can't remember, that's how long it's been. Well, yeah, uh, probably. Um, also, a wonderful man. Uh, I met him on, I can't remember what production it was. He'll probably, he, maybe he'll remember what production it was. At the was Herald? At the Herald Exam. Dude. Yeah, that's why I met most people. Connections, was, baby. Yeah, well, just life connections, not necessarily filmmaking yeah. connections. But he did eventually say... Hey man, I'm leaving. I'm going back to uh, Wisconsin, and and uh, I'm gonna start, you know, making films in the Midwest. And I was like, all right, so we'll never see you again, and you're out of the business, right? But uh, that has not been the case. He's been making films. He's 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 actually more of a filmmaker than I would ever call myself. And our guest today is B.J. Raniac. B.J., you there, buddy? Yeah, man. How you doing? There you hey, are. Hey, B.J. There he is. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. This is great. All right. Well, it's nice having you. This show is called Just Introductions Only, so I just want to make sure we got it right. And, and uh, we're, we're out. Sounds good. Talk to you later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll do this again next week. <laughs> what What was the movie that we met each other on? Was the it first time was it Virginia? I Yes. Ah, I remember. What was it called? Virginia? That movie ever, yeah, it was a movie called Virginia with the, with the 7-Up guy, right? 
Yeah. Um, the, oh, that, that guy goes, the, oh, 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 seven up. Never had it. No, no, never no, 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 no. Oh, um, no. He was, ex- he was also a comedian. He oh, Orlando, Orlando, um, uh, Jones. It's not Orlando Jones. No. It's, it was the one before him. It was I think it was before him. Yeah. What was the and, guy's uh, name? He's, he's also um, a stand up though. I can't remember his he's name. He's got, it's like a one name. He's got like one name. Oh, you know, God- like Godfrey. Share. Godfrey. Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Wait, yes. Godfrey did those commercials? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know Godfrey. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Godfrey made a movie. I don't, did it ever, have you ever seen it? So I checked IMDb because I was curious. <laughs> it is, there is a trailer. Okay. There is, it's, it exists. I don't see any way to view the movie. I don't think it was released. Interesting. You know, again, yeah. that goes back to my thing. BJ, do you have Amazon Prime? I do. Okay. So I've become obsessed with watching bad <laughs> old movies. Because that's flooded on Amazon Prime. And I don't mean this in a negative way. I'm loving every second of it. But what awesome. ba- what what's amazing to me is kind of what you're talking about with Virginia and how hard making films really genuinely is. And I don't think people ever will understand how hard it is to make, you know, they always say, oh, we're in, the, we're in the golden age of creating content. Okay. Yeah. Okay. However, is anybody ever seeing your stuff? So it's like you, you, you make these movies decades ago and it never sees the light of day. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. But I agree with you that Amazon Prime and 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 platforms like that, those are fantastic because I don't care if what you made is a pile of steaming shit, it deserves to see the light of day and for other people to see it. You know what I mean? Like the fact that you made something <laughs> That listen, was the weirdest gladiator speech for filmmaking no, I've ever but, heard. But my, in my like, the, like <laughs> if you look around, if you go to go to the set of a major go to a Star Wars set, go to any a major huge huge production, you're going to look around and go how the fuck does any movie get made? And then you go to a small independent filmmaking set and you're like, how are you making a movie? How are you doing this? How is it ever going to piece together? Like the fact that anything can get made and have a beginning and an end point is insane. It's, you look at how much work goes into just the small, like a short film. I just did a short film. It'll be 20 minutes long. There's three days of shooting and it was intense. It was like there was a lot to get through. So the fact that anything gets made is a miracle. So I believe that if I've, it's, it's kind of like stand up. Like I respect anybody who's made a movie of any kind, and I don't care if uh, like ninety eight percent of the people that see it thinks think it's shit. I still think it needs to see the light of day and ha- has should have a platform for other people to be able to view it. Man, I could not agree more. That is a well put statement. Thank I you. agree. Thank well, you. and what's interesting about your story, BJ, is the fact that you know when did you so when did you move to L.A. So I got there in 2004. Okay, in 2004. And you left when? Uh, 2006. 2006. So you, you had you, you, so very short period of time. I was going to say, yeah, that's like yep. three and, months in L.A. years. And, and your intent when you came out in 2004 was to do what? Uh, I had worked on, actually, in Wisconsin, two miles from my parents' house, I worked on the Amityville Horror. And uh, that's where they filmed that Ryan Reynolds remake. And it just got me all, you know, my my best friend had already moved out to L.A. I had been on the fence and that was just what teetered me to get out there. And um, it it was just to to work in movies, to just break into the industry. That was my goal. So wait, you you, you, they filmed the Amityville Horror with Ryan Reynolds close to you is what you're saying? Yep. It was two miles from my parents' house on Silver Lake, Wisconsin, and this old, beautiful house. It didn't have the creepy eyes in the movie. They actually built a facade for the house to, to add that. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a blast. It was really cool. So you were at what, like a PA or something on it? I, 
I actually just showed like, up. No, I was every DP. Day. I was DP. Um, wait, yeah. you, you wait a minute. You were not asked to go to set. You just showed up. No. Yeah. So I just kept <laughs> showing up, and I met the uh, I met the AD, and he's like, "Dude, I got nothing for you." I'm like, "If something sh- comes up, you know, I'll I'll just work crafty. I don't care." And he goes, "He." So I came back the next day, and he goes, "You're not going to believe this. I got something for you." I'm like, "What?" And I got to be the stand-in for Philip Baker Hall when he flew in just to do the priest exorcism stuff. Jesus, and uh, I got dude, something it was for so you. So much fun! Wow, so much fun! But that's that's that is also movie making outside of Los Angeles because you're yeah. able to walk onto yeah. the set, <laughs> which like when they they did Simple Plan, that Billy Bob Thornton, Bill Paxton movie, they shot that up in Northern Wisconsin when I was going to college there, and yeah, people yeah. just walked in like, oh, what are you guys doing making a movie? Like people were just walking into stuff. <laughs> But like that's that's so funny that you're just like I'm gonna show up every day until you give me something. And he's like, oh, I got something for you now. And and was that the first time you were ever on set when you did stand and work? Um, so prior to that, I got to help on Spider-Man Two when I was in college in Chicago. Oh, uh, cool. They filmed the downtown, you know, Doctor Octopus on the subway trains bit, and we were just extras. And then uh, they needed some more PAs, so the students got to basically run the film back and forth when they were done we brought it to the development house and and that was our jobs and it was the so film. that was really the first big one the uh, film yeah the film you ran film. actual film back and forth do you, remember, awesome. do you remember those days it's so funny that that somebody would that load up their car and it and it was yeah. and, and, and here's the funny thing about what you're saying so the students took the film from probably a 175 million dollar budget at that time which Dude. was massive yep they're just handing it to students, hoping that you're not going to get in a car crash. Don't get in a car. Don't you're stop off and get baked with your buddies. Yeah. Don't don't try to like go look at this film somewhere else. They're don't to expose the film and destroy whatever we shot today. Oh my god! Yeah, they were very specific about don't touch anything. Yeah, leave these cases closed. Take them where they go, yes, and that's it. Yes. Oh yeah, God. they were locked. It was. You might as well have been traveling with cocaine. You have no idea. <laughs> Where'd you go to school in Chicago? Uh, Columbia. Oh okay. man. So, so you were into you were into. Did you go to go for filmmaking or? Yeah, I did. I um. So I had no plans to go to college when I was in high school, but then uh, my senior year, this this teacher who's been a huge influence in my life, uh, Deb Forgale, she said, you know, we're going to do this mass media class. We're going to learn about filmmaking, and I was man, I got hooked. And so she kind of introduced me to the reps at Columbia college, which wasn't far from where I lived. Um, and the rest is history. I went for film directing. I didn't graduate. I just went, took film classes, said, see you later. I'm going to LA. Yeah. And, um, that's kind of how I did it. That's well, that, that was because you were best friends with Ryan Reynolds now. And you thought, well, oh, course, <laughs> yeah. he, w- he looked at me once. So we're pals. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. but no, that that's so that, to me, like you, you, when you say you got hooked, like you in you wanted to, you became a filmmaker that day. Like you, you want to be you wanted to be a filmmaker. Like even people that are that move out here, like a lot of them just want to be actors. They want to be comedians, whatever it is. But like to be a filmmaker is is kind of um, a more all encompassing. Like yes, you want to direct, but also you've got like this ultimate vision that you're gonna want to put. It's just um, it's a bigger. It's a bigger scope, I think, being a filmmaker, and uh, I agree. And it's yeah, a lot more work, and a lot more, um, but 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 the work, but but it's a lot more love. Like if you really like making films, it doesn't matter if you get paid for it. Doesn't matter. Like you you just keep doing it because that's what you love. Yeah, even as a kid, I mean, my mom 
I joked that she had a VHS camera attached to her shoulder all hours of the night because she just was always videotaping stuff. So my, my buddies in, in grade school and stuff, we would make little short movies, horrible, obviously, but well, it was fun to do. Yeah. We'd do comedic skits and everything, but never did I think like, this is a career path until I got into, uh, you know, senior year of high school and, and got introduced to it all. And even then it's like, this is risky. Are you sure? And I just, I love it too much not to do it. And, and, and your proof, you've already proven that you, you would do it anyway. You would do it whether you were in LA, you would do it if you were in Wisconsin, you are going to totally. make films. That's just what you're going to do. Absolutely. That's, yeah. I think that's, I think that's awesome. And, and did you, did you ever see American movie? Yeah, you know, I I saw bits and pieces of it. I really do. It is on my list. I really want to see that movie. Oh, you haven't seen the whole thing? I, yeah. I, I, kinda, no, I no. was waiting for you to say something like, and then I saw American Movie, and I'm like, well, if these guys can make a movie in Wisconsin, <laughs> anybody can make well, a movie well, in Wisconsin. But, remember, but Chris Smith, who I believe is the guy that, is that, that was a documentary. It was yes, a documentary. about so was, the making of a movie yeah, in northern Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yes. So I mean, it just depends on how you would view that actual movie. Like, were they really making a movie, or was he? Were they trying to make a movie, and and they made a movie about them trying? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, look, they, it to me, it's a little bit of heart, heart, hearts of darkness, where like uh, the movie they yes. made, the movie they made was was one thing, and then the making of that movie was another thing. Right. But I think totally. I think both of them are very entertaining. Both of the the making and, and the movie that they made is like this weird horror movie that is so low budget, it's insane. But but again. That movie deserves to see the light. Two yeah. guys made that movie. They did it with almost no money, with almost no special effects. So it's like, uh, it's worth looking at just yeah. to go, even if you look at a movie and go, well, I would never make a movie like this. Now you know the type of movie you would never make. It's like every shitty job I ever had growing up, I would be like, I fucking hate bagging groceries. I hate washing dishes. My mom would be like, well, now you know what you don't want to do for the rest of your life. Like, you yeah, and I'm going to work towards not doing that. Side note, uh, uh, classic Herald Examiner side note, Chris <laughs> Smith, who made American Movie, was he was he was the director of all the, when one of these films at the Herald Examiner, do you remember the Buddy Lee commercials with the... With the, the little guy with the <laughs> jeans? Dude. Yeah. Chris Smith was the director. He of directed those? those? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they, they shot one at... That uh, guy easily made more money doing that than anything he's ever... Any, probably. Well, because yeah, I mean, he was mostly documentaries. Yeah. He made yeah. American worker or something like that that one with that one was a mockumentary and that one was really funny that's the one i always quote with everybody i talk about the guy it was just a bad he was um the guy couldn't hold the job and it was the classic scene of of he, he basically the guy was like when you run this press machine if it stops working you got to go find somebody uh because otherwise it'll break down forever and they could stop working and the guy looked around and like he just hung up his jacket and went home. And the next day he came back to work and they're like, where were you? He's like, well, my machine stopped working. And he goes, all right, well, I'll tell you what, can you, um, tell you what, I'm going to have you sit in my seat. This is his boss. He goes, I'm going to have you sit behind the desk and I'm going to sit where you are. And he goes, okay. What would you and do? Goes, what would you do if, um, yeah. if you were me? He goes, I'd fire you. He goes, great. All right. Well, it was nice working with you. So, um, <laughs> and he made him fire himself. It was the greatest. One of the funniest things I'd ever seen. Chris uh, Smith. That's great, Chris Smith though. and Buddy Lee in the Herald Examiner. That's, so, that's crazy, though. The yeah. Buddy Lee commercial directed by, I mean, that's bizarre. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, again, 
when you have a good eye, that's the, that's the first place you normally go because commercials are kind of avant-garde filmmaking. It's not necessarily narrative, so yeah, but you, it makes sense. And usually, you, well, yeah, so, you don't necessarily have to tell a story, but if you do tell a story, you're doing it in in a, in a minute. You know, you're doing it mm-hmm. in 30 seconds. You're getting your point across pretty quick, and it's pretty. The commercials are the Twitter of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. It's like you got it's point A to point B <laughs> as quick as possible. This is true. Yeah. A well to B. So BJ, so when you, so you were an extra on Spider Man, obviously. Spider-Man so two. you're seeing Spider Man Two. So you're, I mean, that's but that's big budget stuff. So you're really kind of like, in your mind. And even Amityville Horror, to an extent, was not a low, low budget, right? And I'm assuming even back then, the reason why they were filming in Wisconsin, I don't know, maybe you know more about this, was because of uh, film incentives? I'm guessing uh, was yeah, why they so filmed in Wisconsin? Because not a lot of movies, as of yet, have... Wisconsin's like a, like a filmmaking hotbed for L.A. to go to. Right. So there right. obviously has to be a reason. Either someone that's making it is from there, and that's why they're doing it there, and or incentives, Correct. Right. So Illinois had the incentives and when they did anything in a studio building sets and all that, they went to Illinois and did that, but they found the house that they just loved in Wisconsin. And it was only a, I think a hour drive at the most from where their studio space was to go to the home. So they just said, screw it. We're going to cross the lines and do a little bit in Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. And, and how do you find out about that stuff? I'm just curious, like, or is it just because the whole neighborhood starts talking? I was going to say, I bet everybody's talking about In that about it. case, it was just neighbors are like, what's going on at the, you know, the old so-and-so house? And <laughs> I can't remember the family name. Yeah. And I'm like, those are, those are movie lights. That's a movie camera. I'm, and I just, <laughs> yeah. I you and your friends got kid. on your Stranger Things bicycles and raced out oh, over yeah. there? Dude. Oh, yeah. It was great. Yeah. That's... How old were you at that time that you did that? <laughs> Oh God! What? Uh, twenty. Okay, so you had okay. Twenty three, something okay. like that. Yeah. So you were, at this point, you were had moved back home from college. Uh, I was in my last year of college, not living down in the city anymore. I was commuting. Oh, Funny okay. what you were talking about before working at Blockbuster. And, oh um, nice. oh, dude, I need that t shirt you guys were talking about. That's not <laughs> even funny. It's that target. Go ahead. I'm <laughs> so excited. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, I would work nights at Blockbuster and I would work during the days on these, you know, as stand in for a little bit. But yeah. And then once they wrapped, I was like, you know what? I'm packing my bags. It was the fall of 2004. And I just, I had very little money saved up and I just left. And I went out there with, uh, uh, my best friend Richard, who's still out there, um, we're still making movies together today, and um, we have a neat partnership. But yeah, it was it was a trip. Two guys and a bag of cocaine with dreams. All right, so <laughs> before we get to you going to L.A., I do want to talk about Blockbuster for a sec because you work there. As somebody Sweet. who loved movies, I don't, and I, this is where I think the world has changed. And you don't, other than probably b- being an usher at a movie theater, I don't think that people truly understand what you were blessed with being able to work at that place, right? Like oh, my gosh. I mean, what was what was that like working at Blockbuster? It's like probably like loving like, books and, and, and being the movie guy. It's like loving books so, and working at a bookstore. Yeah. And getting I, exactly, exactly. I actually had a uh, – people knew I was such a nut for movies that they gave me entertainment specialist title, not just a 
customer service representative. Whoa. I actually got like a, Wait, I didn't, yeah. know, we had an, I didn't so, know we had an entertainment specialist on the no, show today. So I like I put that crap on resumes. I was proud of that. It was hilarious. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, and it was uh, it it was one of the coolest things because there's so many movies that you never heard of. That you know you go to the foreign film section, you're like, wait, what is this? That's where I fell in love with Amelie. I don't know if you remember yeah, that yeah, movie. Oh, yeah. that French Very beautiful, film. beautiful film. Um, totally. And and it exposed me to so many different things. And then I took it to another level that was totally ridiculous. And, and you know what now people call cosplaying. But I every Friday and Saturday night when new movies were available, you would dress. Man, we dressed up <laughs> and it, we got the whole. Yes. When X Men came out, we had the whole group of people <laughs> dressing up. One dude got in a wheelchair and shaved his head. Oh, I mean, was, we were man. Lo- Lord of the Rings, I got a blonde wig, a bow and arrow, and I was Legolas. Like, it was fun. <laughs> wow. But people can't, like, they don't understand how how serious people took those. Blockbuster was a serious place, man. Oh, yeah. It was a dude. blast. And where was it? Where was this? You were Mine was in Antioch, Illinois. So okay. I lived on the Wisconsin-Illinois border, okay. and it was right over the state line. So you were all the rage. Your Blockbuster was all the rage. Dude, it was, they would, people literally said, we drive out of our way to come to this one because you guys are hilarious. Dude. <laughs> but, that, but really, when you say Blockbuster was so serious, like serious, it really, like, I, I don't, I mean, there was not much more joy on like a Friday or Saturday night than you <laughs> and some idiot friends or you and a girl you were trying to Dude, impress. Go going to Blockbuster try, and trying to figure it out. Like, now we sit on our couches and scan Netflix for three hours and yep. then turn it off and go to bed because we didn't find anything, even though there's a million things on there. Blockbuster yeah, is that is truth. Blockbuster is like a standing version of that. You go out and you, but you have to, you have, you're not leaving that video store until you get something to watch. Yeah, you know how many, you know how many relationships were made and broken at Blockbuster? Right. Oh, I want to watch. Not even yeah. funny. I'm getting Rambo. I'm getting First Blood Part Two. Like what? No, you're not. I'm getting. <laughs> Fucking the notebook. What? No. <laughs> Rambo. Notebook. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember arguing over things and then just like, well, we're renting five movies then. Like, we're, we're not yes. going to put any of these back. Like, let's just go. <laughs> Got three days to watch them. <laughs> I remember when it first uh, came out, you only had a, a, one night, right? You had a choice, right? You well, new releases get... were one night. You'd have to bring them right back because there was like... They only had so many copies. And, and then everyone wanted them, you know, but you could get like... You know, you could go get the weekend at Bernie. Something that's been out since the '80s. You could get and like watch it, kind of. That was when I, Blockbuster was the place where I first was like, "What do you mean? What is what? What are these? What are these? These ripoff movies? Like that's oh, when you first started learning yeah. that there was this whole other world <laughs> that made movies based on popular movies. I'm Speed You probably know them like like the back of your hand at this point from oh, seeing yeah. them all come in. Tra- but... I'm gonna rent Transformers. Well, this is Transmorphers. Yeah, so exactly. good luck. Like oh. <laughs> A lot of Jurassic Park ripoffs, like oh just my God. so many. Like I had no oh, yeah. idea. Yeah, I, it's it's wonderful. It's it gave a platform for things like nowadays Sharknado and Sharknado Four. Exactly. And, I mean, exactly. Like the movies had a blast. Now, I, as a it, what do you what do you call were you an what do you call an entertainment enforcer? What a were specialist you? enforcer? <laughs> yes. You will yes, be entertained. <laughs> Um, now, did you did you have categories that you would just like if somebody came in and said, "I want to watch a bad movie that's going to make me laugh"? Were you able, were you that well versed in everything that you had? They'd be like, "Listen, all right, we got this category. 
It's like it's yeah. top notch. Like, was that, would you go that far? Did you have like the stoner category, the the uptighty oh, yeah. people kind of thing? Like, you knew like based on you were you were you reading body language, attitude, like. What were you? Like I would if, ask. I would ask a series of questions of what your favorite movies currently are, and and you know what you kind of want to get into, um, or what you're looking for for the night. But what was really fun is we convinced our manager to let the employees have one of the stands, uh, double sided stand, be the employee favorites, and so we would put our top favorite movies on there, uh-huh. and. I mean, these suckers, people would just avoid the outer wall, which was all new releases, and they would go to these things and just rent movies like Breakfast Club and some of the classics that, you know, I just, I grew up loving and yeah. Forrest Gump and all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was neat to be able to do that. But there were some people that, um, you know, didn't agree. And that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Your picks are stupid. You're an asshole. You're like, okay, now, thank you. I, I, I think, and I think I saw this. Well, no, I didn't see this movie with you, Huck. But I think um, I kind of starting to feel like you guys were the the high fidelity of yes. of, of yes. Antioch, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. Antioch, yes. Illinois. Sorry, Antioch, yeah. Illinois. Sorry, you there guys you were go. the high. You guys were the high fidelity guys. Yeah, I'm assuming you've is... seen the movie High Fidelity, which is one of the greatest movies in my. I would put that up there on some of my top movies I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, I, I love it. Classic. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a John list. Cusack nut. So, the, yeah, absolutely. And um, I, and so I is, actually so never he. thought about it that way, but you, you're you pretty much uh, hit it on the head there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and then just the the idea that back in the day, like a straight to video release was sort of scoffed at and yeah. mocked a little bit. Like if Sharknado was straight to video, you'd be like, you look at the case and be like, no, nah, straight to video. Look at these idiots, you know? But now. Now, with uh, taking it out of the video store, those movies are getting their kind of... Uh, I think they get a fairer shake. I think it's not necessarily the mark of a great film if it, it has to be in the theater. You know what I mean? Now there's... How do you feel about that? Do you think that that's changed a little bit? Like, I feel like we don't laugh so much if something goes straight to Netflix or it's like a Netflix-made movie. You know what I mean? It just doesn't... Oh, yeah. It's just not as silly. It doesn't. It's just, it just doesn't seem as silly anymore. It, it doesn't. And it, it actually kind of what you were saying before is, oh, wow, you actually completed and finished a movie. Yeah. Like you did something good for you. Let's check it out. Right. Yeah. Even if so I many don't get, like it, somebody else will. Exactly. And even so many get shot, but they never get finished, which is a sad story in itself. Yeah. Um, yeah that's the nuts. Costs of like editing and, and color correction and sound yeah. and like some of that stuff catches up with indie films. And, and you're right. A lot of them. They don't see the light of day because they've run out of money, or the, the right. you know the investors pulled out, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's I don't and and again that's where there's that that's the difference between a good producer and a bad producer is not being able to manage money properly and really hammer home with people when you want to make a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. You have X amount of dollars to make it. Now, how much do you have when it's done? Need to how put much money aside. You have to because otherwise it will get locked up. Yeah, it will. It, it and, and and a lot and, and like you said, a lot of people are finding like, well, I don't understand. I didn't know color correction and and uh, and all this other stuff cost that much money. And you it's know? a massive and part of it. Like without Post it, it's huge. Distribution is everything costs money. Yes, and so DPJ, true. you know that. I mean, it's just like yep. you, know, you start getting into this. Well, what do you What do you mean? I have to send it to the specialist in order to have them. Right. In order for it to go to Mexico, I just don't. I don't. I just give you my movie, and and that's that. You know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah. It's all that kind of stuff. Again, there we go. So um, my point being, it's just you—you you have to 
you have to have a longer game plan than just getting through making the film, the actual yeah. production part of it. You have to but see But we it all get the, so the excited, right? Yeah. Everybody gets so excited about making the movie, casting it, getting a director, or being the director, or excited about your script. You found a location. Let's just go, 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 go. Yeah. Let's shoot. Yeah. You know? It's just so much more. But again, that's what makes it so amazing when it does get done. Yeah. All the moving right. parts. All the all the stuff. And, and we'll get to this with you in a little bit, BJ, because you and I have talked about this on and off, is just all the like, oh, my God, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And, and, you know, you and I have both helped each other out and said to each other, it's going to happen. Don't worry about it. Just just keep going. <laughs> Once that train has left the station, you have to just keep riding the train. That's how things get done. You have to believe that the end is going is there and you're going to make it to the end. If you don't, you will give up, you know, and that's and that happens before production and sometimes even in the, during in production. the middle of production. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Bad scheduling will do it. Yeah. And as an entertainment <laughs> specialist, you know, these things. Oh, I tell you what. I tell you what. You are right. <laughs> So yeah, blockbuster. What 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 are they? So it's so I guess at the end of the day, do you think that blockbuster was just something that fed your fascination uh, that you already had, or did you think it it gave you even more drive because you were exposed so, to so much more that you were even that much more driven to be a part of the business? Just out of curiosity. Oh, it it totally fed into everything. I it, honestly, if I didn't work there, I don't know if I would have had the amount of belief. Um, going to Los Angeles or if I even would have gone to Los Angeles because uh, when you, <laughs> this sounds funny, when you see the amount of B movies that are made and they're actually successful, yep. you know, somewhat, I was like, all right, if these guys can do this, yes. I'm, I know I can do this. It, it was a total belief builder. Yeah. So yeah, it, I'm, I'm very grateful to have worked there. And when you went to Columbia, what, what what exactly did you learn? Do they do, they do kind of what AFI does out here, where it's like you have to learn all aspects of the business, or do you specialize? Um, they they let you specialize. Uh, they do. This was kind of neat. They make you start uh, production one, is what they call it. But you have to make short films in black and white on sixteen millimeter film silent, and you have to cut with. An actual, you know, you're cutting actual film Splicing and tell it. a story through visuals, not through dialogue, because that's, you know, the biggest thing is too many people just write what's happening and, and say what's happening and not show what's happening. So um, that was a cool experience. I really appreciate that um, you- and, and learning all that. But there was as much as I am grateful for my experience there when I got to L.A., or even, geez, even working on Spider-Man or even working on Amityville Horror, a couple days on a movie set, you learn more than a couple months to a year in film school. Yeah, it's we used to joke about this at the Herald Examiner, and I'm sure you saw the same thing. You learn nothing more than just being there. I mean, if you're you're paying attention, it really just boils down to what you want out of it. And so I used to say this to guys that used to site rep for me. It's like, you can site rep here. And you can go find a comfortable couch, and you <laughs> right. can sleep for 10 of the 12 hours that you're here and not pay an ounce of attention to what's going on unless somebody calls you on the radio and says, I need something, right? Toilet paper's out. That's who you want to be? Cool. Go be that person. Or you can spend as much time as you possibly can Absorb watching it. what's going on, being a part of what's going on as much as you can, and getting as much as you can out of this because you're basically, at that point, you're being paid to go to school. Yeah. Yeah. That is a fact. I learned way more at the Herald than I ever learned in college. 
And and also what what just going back going back to your that 16 millimeter the first project you had to do um do you think that also helped sort of because i feel like today there's like especially in sometimes in comedy i'll meet a younger comedian and they have absolutely no comedic influence and they're just like no i like comedy um it's just something i kind of got into but like they don't have any like no i grew up listening to richard Pryor, or i grew up like dana carvey or i grew up listening to they they just they're in comedy and they have no knowledge of kind of the comics that came before them. Whereas, uh, and I'm sure people making videos and movies on YouTube are like, they might, not every one of them has like reverence or respect or an idea of the history of filmmaking. Whereas if you're forced to make a 16 millimeter film, black and white, no talking, you know, you're forced to sort of do it like they had to do it in the past. And then you have a greater appreciation for how much easier and more, um efficient filmmaking has sort of become yeah it was it definitely helped um appreciation is a perfect word because you realize how difficult it is if you can't say anything yeah (laughs) it's like okay how do i get this across it's really it was a fascinating uh time that's for sure because when movies first started when like the nickelodeons or whatever it was first started uh, it was just the fact that pictures were moving and that was impressive enough but eventually, oh, yeah. you had to get the Fatty Arbuckles and the Buster Keatons and the Keystone Cops and the people to, to drive story through, you know, 10, 20 minutes of these moving pictures. And there was totally. no audio. So if you can't show what's happening uh, with emotion and acting and movement, then you didn't have anything. You had nothing. Right. When you uh, so when you decided, um, just out of curiosity, I always I always love these stories because we we're all Midwesterners here, and I guess it doesn't necessarily have to be coming from the Midwest, but because that's what we relate to, there's always that moment, Ma, Pa, I'm friends, <laughs> I'm leaving, the, I'm leaving this, I'm leaving, I'm going to the big city, and they're all and you get you get a collection of variety of answers like, yeah. are you sure you want to do this? I it just. And then there's always like you'll be back and all, all that. I mean, just it's the variety of like th- that. It's such a big decision to to follow <laughs> yes. a dream. Is such a big to do when you're a Midwesterner because it's just like, well, well aren't? But don't you just want to get a job and Everything get married and have a dog? Right and ki- yeah. Everything like, you need is right. Are you here. sure you want to go out and just be all willy nilly and stuff? Like, so what was it like for you when you were like, that's it, I'm, guys, I'm doing this, or mom, dad, I'm doing this, or like, can you walk us through that whole, like, when you finally went, gosh darn it, I'm doing this? Yeah, I, um, it, it was, it's like my mom knew it was coming, <laughs> because when I would go work on Amityville Horror, and I would come home, and I would just would not shut up, I just <laughs> kept talking about all this stuff, and you know, oh, the little girl stunt person. It was actually like a 30 year old woman, but she was just super short. And it was, you know, I, I just All couldn't get magic. enough of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And which that was really neat by the way. But, um, it, I finally said, you know, mom, and dad, I think I want to go out there. And the reason is, you know, I, and I, it's not like I just went and didn't know anybody. I had a few connections or fr- I'll just say friends and my best friend was out there. So, it was like, I'm going to live with him. Uh, another actress that he lived with, her name's Janina. Um, she's actually been in a ton of stuff, but she, uh, 
she was his roommate. And so I would be, <laughs> we got bunk beds from Ikea and I was like, we had all this, this whole plan, me and Richard are going to share a room and it's going to be great. And, <laughs> and, you know, we're going to cut down on rent and you don't have to worry about that. And my dad's like, how much money you got saved? I'm like, I got $3,000 in the bank. He's like, Oh God. And that'll you know, get you it, to Colorado. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Sweet. Uh, so it was, um, we loaded up the Pontiac Grand Prix. Uh, it wasn't, uh, yeah. it drove that sucker through the mountains and got down into, <laughs> we did a 20 hour stretch straight. Like we didn't, it was amazing. I don't know how, I don't know what did you guys, you guys were juiced now. up on Hollywood dreams. <laughs> so at that point you could just keep going. Did you, yeah. so who drove with you? Who was, what did uh, your... so what, what happened was Richard, he, he's a great friend and he flew back and then drove back out with me. Oh, okay. Nice. That's what so, I do with my brother. It was awesome. Yeah, it was really, it was a fun, we documented the whole thing. I got a video. I'll send you it sometime. Oh, hilarious. Um, it's hilarious. And, uh, but the, the conversation was tough and it was emotional and it was, you know, um, I'm a big family person. And, and so having nieces and nephews, you know, you're gone and they don't really know who you are as they're growing up. It's a, it, it takes a toll on you. But, you know, when you have a dream and a purpose and, and it's alive and, and, you just can't shake it. Um, you can't, you can't ignore it. You have to pursue it. You owe it to everybody to pursue it. Yeah. Uh, and, so, and most yeah. importantly, you owe it to yourself because in the end, like you've only got so much time in this body. Why, why, That's true. why are you going to waste it doing something that isn't, uh, interesting to you or worthwhile? Well, exactly. My mom put it when I remember when I sat my parents down, and I told them, uh, that I was leaving, and I said to my parents, I said, you know, the hardest part is kind of what you just said, BJ, is like it's leaving family. And my mom said, um, no, no one should ever ask you to live your life for them. You live your own life. You do your own things. Don't live your life for us. This is your life now. You go. Yeah. If that's where you want to go, you go. And yeah. I was like, nice. I felt right there like I was cut loose. Like that, my mom was like, don't worry about it, dude. Whatever happens, happens. You have every right to go live your life the way you want to. Don't ever let anybody awesome. tell you to live it the way they want you to live it. And that was that was it for me. I was done. And also the idea that you're leaving your family. Like, yes, you're moving away, but you're not like leaving them. You're still going to come right. holidays. You're still going to talk on yes, the phone. Yeah. There's still Skype. There's still FaceTime. There's still well, that's especially now. now. But but I mean, even back then, <laughs> phone calls and like emails and like you could still communicate and still know what was going on in in a pretty relatively simple True. and and easy way so and to be clear no one in my family has ever talked to me again since i've left but <laughs> the point, I... but i really proved something you know what's funny you're talking about communication and and thinking back to this this era this 2004 time mm -hmm. um do you guys remember nextel uh yes. the, the chirps Dude, oh my God. The chirp, chirp. my mom chirped me at the Herald <laughs> so many times. Oh, it actually worked? I, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I got to shut that thing off. I'm like, this is getting ridiculous. And I remember meeting, <laughs> I met Danny DeVito on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. And uh, he he was great. You know, he's a wonderful human being. And, yes, he is. Um, you know, I got, I'm like, hey, do you mind if I get a picture with you? That whole bit. And he's like, oh, absolutely. And, you know, take a picture. And so he's walking away. And I'm like, you know, hey, Ma, guess who I just met, you know, and um, she just lost it. And I think he heard her scream on the phone <laughs> and he turns around and he just starts laughing. And it was, it was neat. But. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Daddy DeVito, Daddy DeVito, it's funny. Um, in, in time, I mean, he's he's an icon. 
The guy oh, was he's, in one flew over the cuckoo's nest. My point is, if you look at his arc, oh yeah, as an actor, yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of people now know him as the crazy guy, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia, right? Well, uh, what I'm saying is, if you if if you only if you're a kid of a certain age, you're a right, of a certain sure, age, sure, you primarily know him as that. But he made great movie. He was a direct. He was a great director. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had an amazing acting career. Taxi, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, The Van. Which <laughs> oh, <laughs> but but like, but, uh, by the, do you, does anybody even know what I'm talking about with The Van? Mm-mm. Oh my God, that was the greatest thing. So I is for again another talking about movies you've never seen before. I got into this movie. I was like, what is this movie, The Van? And it was just once again another bad 1970s movie. And Danny DeVito happened to come again. Thanks to the Herald. <laughs> After having filmed there with Always Sunny in Philadelphia, he was going to direct a movie, and he came there, and I said, hey, man, i got to ask you a question. I said, I happen to stumble upon this movie, The Van, and he just started dying laughing. He was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. He goes, I remember he's like, that was borderline a student film, and he was married to Rhea Perlman at the time, and he said, you know, we didn't even have wardrobe on it, and he said, I got to set, and I have forgotten... Um, you know, they had to match a shirt, and it was, right. I was in a scene. He goes, I left it at home. And he said, they, they flagged down a sheriff who went and found a phone, and they called Rhea, and he goes, we didn't have a phone. There was a pay phone outside of our apartment or something like that. She picked it up and called, and is like, and he, they had to call her at the apartment to get oh my, my shirt for me. And like, it was just, it was just, again, it was like one of those things you're like, again, a story known. They would just watch it and go, what the heck's Danny DeVito doing in this movie? And they'd move on with their life. Yep. And instead, here he is telling me a, a little bit of something about this. Because I this just brought thing. up some <laughs> random movie that, you know, some people do so many movies, they're like, dude, I don't even remember. I was going to say, movie. the fact that he remembered that movie, it either <laughs> sticks in his head as like one of the worst things he's ever done that he'll never forget. It was a funny thing. He didn't say it was the worst thing he did. He just kind of laughed off like I remember a lot about that movie and again it's like it goes back to and I think one of the things he was talking about is it, BJ you kind of touched upon we've all we you've been a part of a different types of Hollywood's journeys VHS tapes to film being dropped off he was talking about like we had no, no way phones. to communicate back then. Like, yeah. if you show up to set. <laughs> if you were out of walkie range, yeah, yeah, that was it. But he would say, there were no walkie talkies on that set. Like, there was oh, yeah. nothing. They, so didn't have the, like, they didn't have the budget. Like, and you just kind of go, yeah, how the fuck did you people make stuff back then? Dude, <laughs> determination, man. Determination. Yeah, exactly. Determination. One more quick thing about Danny DeVito. I, I read an article about when they pro- approached him for being on Always Sunny. Uh, the guy who plays Mac went and, and had a meeting with him. And at this meeting, uh, Danny DeVito says, "I really like what you guys are doing. I do want to. I do want to be on the show." Uh, and he worked out his schedule would be, "I'll shoot all my stuff out in like a week and a half, two weeks for the whole season." And also, the show cannot be about me. It can never turn to be about my character. It always has to be about you guys. I am always a side character. If anything, I'm joining this just so you guys can get another season and you guys can get because I like the show because I think his kids liked the show. So I've always I always respected that he was never about making anything. I'm Danny DeVito. Better show better focus on more Danny DeVito. Yep. Like he was never that right. guy. And and that is that is 100% true because mm. again, he uh uh he told me that exact same thing when he was at the Herald um, yeah. at that thing. He was like, awesome. yeah, you know, cuz he was friends, he's friends with the head of FX at the That's time what it was. Oh, still. And then but his and they asked him because yeah. they want the show was doing well. But they thought in order to take it to the next level, they had to have a name in it, and they thought Danny would be the perfect person. And and so yes, like and I I that again, 
I appreciated the fact he didn't come in and turn it into the day. Like the, yeah, could have easily went. Now it's about Dan. Now it's about me. That's just what they brought me in for. So let's just make it about me. It's just not who he, he is. He became he he literally became part of the ensemble yeah. instead yep. of making it. It was like to me it was like the smart decision when David Spade did just shoot me. He didn't go make the David Spade half hour sitcom fun time. He made a uh, ensemble. Like it was an ensemble cast. They all had storylines. They all were important characters. It just it works so much better, and the pressure leaves that person, and they just become part of a team rather than the only the, everything's riding on you. Yep, which yeah. I appreciate that. That and the fact that uh, Danny DeVito always looks like he's having the best fucking time everywhere he goes. <laughs> like, I remember when he got drunk at the Oscars, and then the next day he was supposed to be on the Today Show or whatever, and he just showed up in his tuxedo holding an award, like, hey, everybody, like, still hammered. And he, his feet weren't even touching the ground. He was sitting on the couch. His legs were just kicking like a child. You're like, oh, my God, you're having so much fun. Uh, well, that ends our segment of Danny DeVito Fan Club here. Well, well, right. No, it was. No, it was. But we, we are. We are fans of his. And I just, again, history will look back very kindly on him and not only kindly on him but also be like holy shit this guy did a lot a lot he had his fingers in a lot of stuff that made an impact on our pop culture called nicholson when he got offered the taxi role and nicholson said what do you want to do that for dude you're a movie actor you don't want to do tv he's like well i think i'm gonna do this show about a taxi company and i'm telling you without taxi we don't we don't have Danny DeVito and Always Sunny and Philip. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Taxi launched that guy into everybody's living room. That's why oh, we know who yeah. Danny DeVito is. So when you came out here with your, with all your dreams, the $3,000 and your T-top. <laughs> um, $2,500 more than I had, by yeah, the way. Yeah. <laughs> I had a credit card. That was my big decision. Oh, there you yeah. go. Anyway. I, I hadn't applied for any yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what did you do? Where did you live? Uh, where did you move? I where have, did you move so, to? And what did you do outside of the bunk bed thing? Which I think you're the first person I've ever heard as an adult describe the excitement of bunk bedding. Yeah, yeah you're like, Will Ferrell and John beds? C. Riley. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> but here's here's what's cool. They were full size bunk beds. They oh, were twins. A, adult they were adult size. bunk beds. Adult bunk beds. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that's that like, is. That's an oxymoron. Yeah. 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 Adult what, did you guys bunk get them beds. from Russia? Yeah, no, I can't. Okay. So we, I, I come out. By the way, how does that make? What is? How does an adult-sized bunk bed make it less of a bunk bed? You just, you just okay. have more room. You just feel better. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You sleep, you sleep a little better. You're less likely. Yeah, to it's still be hard drunk. to explain to the ladies. Less. Uh, <laughs> this is my roommate and my only... roommate and my bedmate. No, no, no. We're good. We're yeah. up top. No, we're not. <laughs> well, you are. I'm going home I'm now. I'm leaving. Okay. Yes. All right. So I continue. Had, I had, I had the top. So. Um, <laughs> That was that was my punishment. So anyway, on the way out to LA, I still had nothing lined up, no jobs, no nothing. I thought, hey, I could maybe find a blockbuster and transfer. <laughs> Dude, and smart. we actually tried that, and the the blockbuster there said, you know, no, we aren't hiring anyone, and we don't want you, Wisconsin boys. So that wow. didn't work out, and it actually was a good thing because. Okay. It probably would have just made me comfortable, and I would have probably still be working at a blockbuster. Well, no, that's not true. Well, anyway, you'd have you'd to be in, in Alaska. You, yeah, you'd be right, in Alaska right, running that. I do so badly want to visit that for a nostalgic reason. Of anyway, course. so um, Richard's agent, because he's an actor, um, actor, writer, director, he does all everything. And mm-hmm. so at the time, he was focused on acting, and his agent um, called him while we were driving through Nebraska, and he said, Hey, um, you're coming out here with your buddy, right? And he's like, yeah. And the agent just said, there's this little indie flick going on. Uh, not indie flick. It's a, a made for TV movie. 
It's called Christmas at Water's Edge. It's got Tom Bosley. It's got uh, Rudy Huxtable from the Cosby Show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's a classic. It's got Tom uh, Bosley because we know his name. And it's got this guy uh, that's playing Rudy Huxley. We can't remember his name. We'll go by his character her. name. Rudy's no, Mr. Girl, Rudy, sorry. Girl, Rudy, well, there you yeah. go. I even took it so, one less. <laughs> I cannot remember Jesus. his name. I feel terrible. But anyway, time. so, yes. And then uh, um, Pooch Hall, who he's kind of actor, rapper kind of guy. Uh, there's another actor, rapper. Anyway. People, I'm like, I don't care who's in it. Are they paying? I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. And I got like, I literally uh, got the phone number while we we're in Nebraska. I called the production office. Um, this was a Thursday. They said, when are you coming in? I'm sorry. This was a Wednesday. They said, can you meet tomorrow, Thursday? I said, I will be in Los Angeles Friday morning. Uh, that's our plan to get in. And um, I can just come like straight to the office we can i can do an interview there they're like sounds good see you friday we didn't even unload like we drove right to the production office i met them and i started on monday wow and it was like you want to talk about going out on like just the faith of a dream and oh my god i hope this works out ever since that single movie or made for tv movie which was actually really fun i got to be tom bosley's personal driver that's another story oh wow um we I just had referrals to referrals to referrals, and I never was not working. That's it amazing. was constant. And right. then that's how I got to Virginia and met you. Yeah. So back to Tom Bosley. Yeah, you had to drive yeah. him. Your mom, mean, your mom was so, probably tickled pink about that. Too, anybody right? who Man, doesn't know, this is Mr. Cunningham on Happy so, Days, Father Dowling's Mysteries. This guy has been around. Yeah. It's it's not so. My mom is the biggest murder she wrote fan, ah. and so she just fell over and lost it, you know. And my dad loved Happy Days, so everything was great. Yeah. Um, but him and I, he didn't like anybody. He's a he's a wonderful person, but you know, when you go from what you're doing and then you kind of get thrown into being part of a made-for-TV movie, he he didn't like certain things or whatever. I don't know the full details, but he loved me just because I was from Wisconsin. <laughs> so he's like, I want this kid driving me around. I want him taking me. So I'm picking him up in my Grand Prix, a 95 Grand Prix from Beverly Hills and taking him down to the set every day. And I'm like, how is this? How did this just happen? Yeah. Like, it, anyway, it was it was a blast. He was a wonderful person. We got along great. Talked all about baseball. He didn't like I was a Cubs fan, but that's cool. He still <laughs> liked me. I love that you're a Cubs yeah. fan. <laughs> what did he like, the Milwaukee Braves? Oh, he, uh, but he was a heavy smoker, yeah. right? Um, well, not at the time. Not no, the he time. didn't okay. smoke at all. No. Okay. He's, he's passed away, correct? Yeah. yeah he yeah, he yeah, passed yeah, away yeah. a while back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Mr. Yeah. Mr. C, Mr. C dude. C. He was he like was TV dad. He's so like cool. the guy that I, every TV dad has been based on since, I believe. And I'm assuming <laughs> again, BJ, you know, being this guy, you know, uh, you know, coming from Wisconsin, you know, working at Blockbuster, doing all this stuff, under loving pop culture, and now you're driving around Mr. C. It, 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 you, there's no way it didn't register with you. Yeah. Right? Like, there's no way you, you you didn't think to yourself inside your head, uh, I'm driving around Mr. Cunningham. Every damn day. Oh, yeah. I mean, how could you not? <laughs> it was it was something else. I, I regret not getting, maybe I do have one. I, I don't know if I have a picture with him, and I, I really wish I would have taking time to do that but you're so like you don't want to ask you don't yeah. want to be that guy you're in you know what i mean but then in, uh, you know years later you're like damn i wish i would have well but you always have the stories that's the one thing i think we forget in this selfie driven world 
we still have the stories. The stories That's are true. true, or they're not true. It doesn't That's matter. True. The stories are entertaining. <laughs> so it doesn't, it yeah. does, as long as they're entertaining. Um, there you, go. you know, there, again, I, there's so many people, as you know, all the years that I worked at the Herald, there's so many people I would love to have had photographs with. And you know my thing, I never took any. Because I yeah. was always afraid I was going to get yelled at, or it's going to it was going to affect my business. And my you bottom didn't want to be so, that guy, you know. But um, you know, it, it did. It doesn't take away from all the time I got to spend with those people or the experiences that I had that I appreciate it. Because I never, I still to this day have not lost my fascination for being in Los Angeles and 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 working in the business. I've never lost that that childlike fascination. That I've that I've always had, and I don't want to lose that because I think that it is something unique and f- something fun about that. You know. Well, I also think that w- one interesting thing about this business seems to be that there you can you can go into these stages of dormancy where you feel like you're not doing anything, but then like one thing happens and you're like, oh, that's why I'm here. This is what I love, and and then no matter how short that experience is. Once it subsides, you 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 remember that, and that keeps you hanging on until the next oh, yeah. thing. So it's like, if 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 you have no success, or you get burnt out, or you hate making movies, you hate acting, or you hate comedy, you need to just step away and go do something else. Because yeah. the idea, like I just did this short film, it was the most fun I've had as an actor. It was the best direction I've ever had as as from a director. It was the best cast I've ever worked Like Everything about it was so fun. I was like, this is what I want everything to be like. And everything won't be like that. But that experience keeps me hanging on for the want of something similar, you know? Yeah. <coughs> so, I don't know. I, I think if you really if you really like this business and, you, and, you're, and you're in it, and again, what, let's, I want to talk about being in Wisconsin and making movies because when I say this business, I don't mean necessarily just LA. I mean if you want to be in the entertainment industry, you can live in Chicago, New York, Wisconsin. You can li- you can make movies, you can make content, you can do comedy from anywhere. Yeah, and you like you said you worked, you know, very consistently for 2 years. Yeah. And I can't remember now again this is going back to 2006 obviously, you know, about 13 14 years ago. I mean, I remember you telling me that you were that you were leaving, and I was I was kind of surprised by that. But what what was the reason why you decided after two years that it was best that you just went back home? So there was a handful of things, you know, that that played into it. One was the Herald at the time, which you know I love so dearly. That's when they had first proposed totally renovating it and doing the condos. That's right. Did you did you ride it out? Um. I was there until we could, I thought we couldn't film anymore. So I, we were packing stuff up. We were, you know, and then they changed their mind after I got to Wisconsin, but, um, (laughs) I, dude, I can't tell you like there may have been a small dog that got kicked, but I, um, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. Yeah. But I know it was a cat, but, (laughs) (laughs) but no, it, it, um, it was a mix of that. It was some family stuff that was going on at the time. It was, uh, to be honest, an engagement that fell through. Um, and so it was like, you know what? I kind of got to reset. I got to get my bearings and reset. And so I just figured I would go home and do that. Which, you know, the fear always is, and I'll let you finish your story, but the fear is once you go, it's over. It's time exactly. to go get the real job. It's just all of a sudden. People ten, forget and, you. Your and connections years, And 10 years later, it's connected. like, I know I said I was going to go back to Wisconsin and make movies, but you know what? I'm okay with doing this IT job at, you know, such and such place, you know, whatever. So continue. The fact that. Well, that did... you're, you're 100% right. And it's funny. I did just that. 
I went home. I had plans to uh, open a studio. I had plans to um, actually kind of basing a lot of it off of just the Herald. I'm like, well, if it's possible there, it's possible here because we can pull people from Chicago and there's stuff happening in Milwaukee. And I, I had all these plans, all of which takes money. None of that I had. Right. And so that all fell apart. And I ended up bartending. I ended up doing construction. I ended up selling, no, uh, uh, becoming a, a social media marketer for a car company. I then sold toilet paper. I then, <laughs> I mean, like literally went through all these career changes and feeling empty as hell through the whole thing. Oh, toilet, selling toilet paper wasn't uh, <laughs> spiritually rewarding? I tell you what. It's financially, it's pretty awesome. Because <laughs> everybody let me, just, let me just tell you what everybody, everybody needs. Moves. Fucking toilet right. paper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Toilet papers and coffins. That's what everybody yeah. needs. I may or may not, you know, have gone to customers' places and, and just, if you take a roll of toilet paper and you put it in the toilet and flush it, I mean, it'll drag that whole sucker empty all the way down the toilet. Anyway, so, um, no, I'm just being serious. But I, um, <laughs> what I wanted to really do was, you know, I, I, I always wanted a family. And so I, I got engaged to my high school prom date and her, she, she's an artist too. She loves screenwriting and all that. And so we, we had this stuff in common and we got married and, um, kind of, were just enjoying that, bought a house, all this stuff. Was, and was this on, so you had an engagement in LA that fell through? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, you were engaged to somebody out here and that didn't work out. So that was right. Okay. So now and, this, and, this engagement, you got married. Right. Okay. So, so we get married and, and everything's going great and, and we're about to uh, have our first child and, and we do. And then there's, there's some complications there and it didn't, it did not go as planned. And our little guy, Johnny only lived three months to the day oh and he passed God. away. And that was the most like, when you want to talk about a, a, a earthquake in your life or like a, a shakeup that, you know, can change everything that you're doing, that'll definitely do it. Oh my God. Dude. And yeah. so it, things got dark for a little while and, and we, her and I looked at each other and it was one of those things where, um, a lot of people actually, which this surprised the hell out of me, they will split after, um, an experience like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I'm not judging anybody's decisions, but for us, it was like, okay, you're the only other person who knows what this feels like in my life. I'm not gonna, you know, you're the one I want to kind of go through this with. So, um, it opened my eyes to, uh, what the hell am I doing with my life? Life is short. And it all came back to what do I really want and what do we want to do with our future and, and where do we want to go with this? And we basically refinanced our house, took some money out, started our video production company, bought cameras, bought gear, lighting, all that kind of stuff started doing, you know, videos for companies, uh, where, you know, at the time, like everybody needs an about us video on, you know, social media. Sure. So we would start doing those. Um, and then we decided to make a short film about that experience about our son and everything and how you can turn tragedy into victory. And that's, that was the total catalyst to, um, well, now we're in post-production on our, actually on two films. One's a documentary and one is our second feature film. And it's, it's been a, that was in 2014. 
So like he was born in 14, passed away in 15. And we have kind of just changed our whole life ever since that critical moment. It's, you know, it's, and that, I, I remember those times and it was, I mean, it's, it's, I'll never be able to understand, you know, what people go through. I, I think the thing is, uh, from, uh, from an outsider standpoint, I'm just curious for you, it's, it's, you were talking about how a lot of people break up, you know, when they go through this kind of stuff. Did you find yeah. that people distance themselves from you because they didn't know how to deal with it as well? Because it's such a, it's such a, for some people it's scary, for some people they just don't know how to confront somebody when they go through that. Did that make, did, were you experiencing all of that? Yes. Um, and uh, the awkwardness of, even when you you see somebody and, and you haven't seen them in a long time, but oh. they know what happened because, you know, it was all over the social media and everybody was aware of what had happened. And, um, and like, they, they, that's the first thing they bring up. Yeah. And then they're like, oh shit. And they start backpedaling. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like it's, everything's fine. Like things happen in life. It's good to talk about it. Like, don't, you don't have to ignore it. You don't have to pretend it didn't happen. Like everything's all good, you know? And, and, um, but yeah, there, there definitely were people, things were awkward with everyone for a while. And are you a, are you a pretty, uh, are you religious or spiritual guy? Like, where were you guys pulling from? Like, what was your whole, like, I mean, obviously I, I get the reforming of, of what it meant to you and what life meant to you, but like, how did you, like, what was your, what was your foundation? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I was raised Catholic, which I, that's a whole nother ball game. Yeah, so you're, so you're not, not religious. Not. I got it. Okay. <laughs> right, so, 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 so was I. So, so I, I totally understand where you're coming from with that. Okay. Yeah. Go <laughs> But I, I definitely, <clears throat> I definitely have a, a spiritual walk. I definitely um, have a belief in a higher power. I, um, I'm a big fan of Jesus. That's all. That's what I say. And I'm not preaching or anything. That's just my cup of tea. And I, I, when you go through something like this, you you really hope there is an afterlife because then you get to see your kid again. Right. So it's it's hard. Yeah. It's uh so that's that's kind of what we were drawing from and that's um what we hold on to because it it helps <laughs> to be honest yeah i mean I, I again i can't i don't have children i don't have that in the plans for me and my wife and that's okay like, for america but yeah so oh and that's I'm, and that's better for everybody <laughs> trust on me on behalf of america i want to say thank you in advance <laughs> but i can't you know i can't imagine i've had some other friends who've had a fairly similar experience to what you've gone through i can't personally i cannot even fathom something like that uh, but I do take a little bit of something in the fact that, you know, if you just base this all on science, like energy, uh, can't be destroyed. It can only change forms. You know what I mean? So there isn't, there is, there is like the energy and, and then human beings, any human being is made up of predominantly energy. That's just it. It's molecules totally. and nucleus. So, so like there is no, the, the, there, there is an afterlife in the sense, like scientifically, there is an afterlife in the sense that there is no death, meaning we just kind of, like, we get out of this body, the energy goes out into the into the universe, but there never is, like, you just lose the shell, you know what I mean? But but, sure. but the energy is still there. So I, that's, like, the only thing that I that would have kept me uh, even remotely sane in a situation like that. Yeah. Yeah. And are you using so so when you when going back to what you were talking about so you guys look each other in the face and you or in the eyes and you say you know I, I guess 
it's it's an is it an inspiration that still drives you to to through today to doing what you're doing is that is that how you've reformed uh what he what he means to you guys in your lives yeah um he's he's been a you know silent force of motivation all the time uh any any obstacles anything that comes up it's like yeah but it wasn't as hard as that and uh and you just find a way to 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 keep going forward and keep doing it almost in his honor too yeah um and it's yeah it's definitely driven us to do way more than um it's like what you always dreamed about years ago but once you're in the reality of it you're like wow i'm really i'm really doing this like this, this is crazy and then you have that moment of like thanks little man you know i, I and without even though even though that kind of sucked how it happened it, it's it's been the the catapult for this so you know it's it's there's always appreciation and when you when it comes to filmmaking and, and and creating content and and tv in general and all that kind of that stuff if you like all the hurdles you have to jump through to do stuff over to do stuff like that to get things made to get people's schedules to line up nothing none of that will ever be as hard or feel as hard as what you guys went through so like exactly it's kind of like Everything else, you just look at it and go, yeah, man, we're just we're making some TV. Hey, we made a commercial. Hey, we're doing this, and like, it, it's what you want to do. It's your dream. You keep moving forward with it. But but even the problems that come up with stuff like that are never going to seem like problems from now on. Right. You know? It's it's just a okay. Well, how do we figure this out? Yeah, and it's just a puzzle. Exactly. Well, and I remember that's when. A, oh, sorry, go ahead, BJ. Sorry, finish. No, I was just going to say, calling it a puzzle is exact. That's the best best analogy ever, yeah, right there. Putting pieces together, making the whole picture look. Like you want it to, like it's supposed to, like you have it in your mind, and and yeah. yeah. When you do, you think because I remember when you reached out to me and you were talking about this journey of making this film and stuff like that, and you drove out to L.A. and you visited the Herald, you know, your, your one last time and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. do you feel like that movie was was it was the intent of that film? It seems like in hindsight now. It, that that was just you guys going. Let's do it. Let's get ourselves into a system. And it seems like that immediately, it became. That was that was like to me. I felt like there was a beginning of something, and also simultaneously a closure on something for you. And because it seemed like yeah. right after that, is it's like you hit it into a different gear, and then you really started becoming the the filmmaker that you are today. Not saying that you weren't before. But does that make sense? Like it's it, it it I felt like it was kind of like a beginning and an end of something. That's totally true. Okay. Um it it was closure for us, uh, but it was also just an outlet to put our energy into to not go crazy. So I'm I'm sorry, I think we do we jump like so you guys made a movie. They made about a film okay. yeah. going going so. back to what BJ was talking about at the beginning. So <laughs> right. sorry, go ahead, BJ. So yeah, explain yeah. the whole process. So you decided to make a film about your experience. Correct. So after everything happened, we, we, and honestly, I don't know why she was up for it. And I thank God, I totally thank God for that because she's like, I'm not an actress. I'm like, well, I'm not casting somebody to play my wife. So you're doing this with me. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's a cheesy little, just, I don't know. It's like 20 minutes or something. And it was, we just basically did our story and changed the names of us, even though we played us. So it was kind of weird. Um, and we did this whole road trip thing where it was like a couple loses their child. They just say, screw it. 
they're going to go on a road trip. We drove in real life from Wisconsin to Los Angeles and back within one week. Um, my job at the car dealership was calling me wondering when the hell I was coming back. And there was snow in Las Vegas. So we had another day delay because we couldn't get back in time anyway. Um, and so we made this journey about a couple going to redefine themselves out on the open road. They got to Hollywood. A dream was reignited and wanting to make movies. They come back to Wisconsin. They make a movie. It wins a film festival, blah, 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 blah. And it ends with this really, you know, uh, <laughs> extraordinary happenstance where the guy ends up in Spielberg's office at the end of the movie because he made a good film or something, you know. Right. So that's that's just the the whole point of doing it was just to get our bearings again in filmmaking. I hadn't done it in so long. And uh, technology had changed so much and, and gear and mm-hmm. how you can shoot things on cameras that you know don't need to be developed with film and uh so anyway it was just it was a process it was a journey and then all of a sudden it was like wait a minute we just did this we did it for damn near nothing we should we should really do something bigger and that kind of led us to um richard gave me a call my old you know best friend my roommate in la bunk bed buddy and he said yeah yeah my bunk buddy yeah (laughs) Bunk buddy, gotta get that right. Um, and he said, uh, he's like, dude, I've been auditioning like crazy. I've been, you know, doing all this stuff, and I've I've been sitting on this script idea, which is basically his story from high school about a young athlete who was supposed to be playing football. He gets a, a head injury. He's told he can't play contact sports anymore, so he gets turned on to cross country running. Ends up taking the team to state. And it's this feel-good family movie idea. What do you think? Should we do it? And I said, if you can put the script together, we can film it here. And in 30 days, he had the the final draft of the script done because he'd had it in his head for so long. Right. And uh, the following summer, we we shot it in Wisconsin, and that was that's the rocket. Um, now, which is on, yeah. You 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 cut a lot of the middle out, but that I but did. the funny well, no, did. but but that's okay. <laughs> you were just kind of getting to the a, so there's the A to B part of it, but here's here's this guy in Wisconsin saying, yeah, we'll make it here in Wisconsin. What does that actually mean? And this is the fascinating thing that I think I would I, I, that I want you to share is that we are at a different time in filmmaking, right? And in this art yeah. form, and the fact that totally. you don't need to live in Los Angeles, or in my case, in the basement, Los Angeles adjacent. <laughs> no, you need to live in uh, Los Angeles adjacent. I just did adjacent basement. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, adjacent. Just a lot of, a lot a of Los wor- Angeles yeah. a, wordsmith. A basement. Uh, adjacent. Uh, I live in my adjacent. Um, but you don't have to live in LA. You don't have to live in Hollywood. You don't even have to live in Chicago or New York to make a movie, right? You can make a quality film a great piece of art, a great story, a beautiful picture, anywhere, anywhere USA. And, and it totally. seems like that was also part of your mentality, right? Like you, uh, um, you know, you took uh, advantage of actually where you lived to make that part of your story, right? I oh, mean, yeah. that's what you oh, finally yeah. realize is that you can make a movie anywhere, right? And so walk us through like what the process was. It's one thing to say I want to make a movie in, in Wisconsin, but uh, uh, a lot of people would say, yeah, but all the good people, the crew people, the people that really know how to make a movie, 
They've all moved somewhere else. They don't live by you. How are you going to do this, kid? Where are all the good actors? Where are all the good grips? Where are the good gaffers, right? The DPs. Where are they, BJ? So how did you make a movie in Wisconsin? So this first one, so for for the Rocket, we, I mean, it was a lot of favors. You're in the Midwest. You got a lot of friends. The budget was low. It was, um, we did cast and and we we used uh, Actors Access and, it was not a SAG project officially. And and so we learned some things there for the next one, but we just, so Richard and I went into this with a perspective and I, I tell people this all the time. We said, whether we shoot this thing on iPhones or we crowdfund and get enough money and, and shoot it on, you know, we ended up shooting on Canon C100 cameras. Um, we're going to just make it. If I have to edit it myself, like we'll just, we're going to just do it to have a product and learn the path to distribution. That was our goal. We know some of the actors might not be the greatest. We know some of the lighting might not be wonderful, but we're going to figure it out. We're going to do it. And we're going to prove that it can be done at least to ourselves. And once we, once we made that decision, um, it's not that things got easy, but things just started lining up and it was crazy. Like, uh, I mean, geez, we did, this is cross country running, in this movie, which I knew nothing about, right. but Richard, this is his jam. You know, this is what he, he did. And I'm like, well, how many, how many people do we need? Like we need runners at these races, man. Like, how are we going to do this? We need jerseys. It's weird. You didn't we call need... John and I as for yeah. runners. <laughs> Dude. So weird. So in a, this could be a much longer story, but in a nutshell, we had schools dropping kids off to be extras. This was in the summer. And, and they organized it outside of our abilities to have kids show up. There was a guy who does like almost every cross country meet in the state. And he also happens to um, run a print shop for clothing. So he made just basic, like the Cougars and the, the Eagles yeah, and generic just really names, basic. Yeah. Yes. And brought them all to the races. And I'm like, who is this guy? Like what? <laughs> He just added. And, and he just added production value, dude. It was. <laughs> just... I, I tell you what. Okay, all you kids, just wear purple T-shirts. That's really what we were gonna do. Yeah. And then it turned into everybody had legit jerseys, and then people showed up for the races, and and we we got uh, the park system in Kenosha County where we lived to let us use. You know, we had to do the insurance bit, which compared to other stuff was nothing. Um, financially, just very low cost, and they were wonderful helping us. Uh, yeah, you can film at this park and you can use this park and you can run through these trails and you can film all day. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure nobody bothers you. And I mean, it was, you want to talk about like a community and a town coming together to support just a kid with a dream. Unbelievable. That's Um, fantastic. And it, it's, and I'm very proud of this little movie. Um, it's, you know, it's not an Oscar Academy Award winning movie, but to me, it, it was proof of a dream still very much alive. Um, the the skill and ambition that like Richard and I both have and how well him and I work together. He was director. I was cinematographer. I did not want to be the cinematographer. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, but that again came down to 
every quote we got from people was absolutely astronomical and we had a very small budget and i just said screw it or actually richard said why don't you just shoot it i know you can do it and i'm like okay your belief in me is all i needed let's do it and and it worked it totally worked wow you know again it's that classic story that of of it's just it's got to happen so what what do we got to do to make this happen what do we have to do and you and I talked about this after you after you made this film, um, going back to referencing what you had said earlier about distribution, and you decided I'm going to learn how that works too, yeah. right? And you, what did you end up doing? Did you end up doing distributor? Is that what you is that what you ended yes. up doing? So we we researched the hell out of so many different opportunities, you know, avenues and channels and ways you can do things, and um, we ended up just going with distributor to try it because what we loved the most was we still retained the rights to the whole project. This was still our movie. And, um, you know, we had some success there and, and the first quarter was like the biggest, uh, you know, profitable time that we had because we really hyped this up and we really, uh, before we released it online, we actually did a screening in Milwaukee we couldn't call it a premiere because then certain distributors may not have wanted to pick it up if we called it a premiere. So we called it a private screening. It was a premiere, whatever. Right. And it, there step was no, and repeat, step and repeat. Yeah, totally. There was nothing private about it, man. We promoted the hell out of this thing. And it was at the, um, was it the Orpheum? What is Whoa. the theater in Milwaukee? Um, Oriental? Yes. Thank you. Yeah, the Oriental, the Oriental theater. theater. Oh man, uh, really beautiful place. Still called and that. In the the owner or the the manager, he goes, you know, we do private screenings all the time. He says this to us after the event. He goes, we have never, ever had the amount of people come out for an independent movie screening than we had at this. This was we packed the entire balcony and lower level completely out, which is like over a thousand or eleven hundred, twelve hundred seats That's or something crazy. like that. Wow. It's a beautiful Just theater too. Blue, oh yeah, and it blew our minds that that many people came out, and these people dressed up like there was tuxedos and dresses, and it was cool. We did the whole you know red carpet bit and photographer and all that, and we just had a party, man. It was fun, but it was our way to give back to everybody who helped us get there, and it, it was a big thank you to everybody. Yeah, and and, and uh, yeah, just small towns, man. I love them. That's what I, I was going to say love... is because you made it there, and everyone was sort of involved already just from being there. And, and the help they gave and the hands they lent. But, like, at the same time, they're like, holy shit, this guy made a movie in our town. Let's go. Like, let's see the yeah. locations that they use. Let's see the background. Let's see my friend Steve is an actor in the back doing, you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> like, like I, I just imagine the support would be so great there because everyone was would be so ecstatic for you, you know. Yeah, also, was, Midwest, you know. but Totally. There's a, there's a family, man. I yeah. don't care if it's even out of state. I mean, people came in, it was really cool. What was really neat about the rocket too, was the one besides Richard, the only other SAG actor that we cast was the lead kid in the movie, like the lead role. Cause we knew he's carrying this whole movie on his shoulders. We have to cast somebody with good talent here. Mm-hmm. And this kid out of Northern Milwaukee, um, Shorewood, I believe. Shorewood, Wisconsin. Oh, Shorewood. I yeah, I know Shorewood. I yeah, yeah. At the Coles Food Store in Shorewood. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I sure did. Oh, mm-hmm. hey, don't you know? Yeah, I do know. But... I do. I'm not gonna lie to you, BJ. I know. <laughs> Fucking Hicks. <laughs> uh, love it. So this kid Brady 
was phenomenal. And we're like, okay, awesome. This is our guy. Let's go with it. Well, we shoot, we do all this stuff. He's nothing but professional. He is wonderful. He, you know, knew his lines. I mean, he's just what you want in an actor. It was great. After the movie, we're editing everything. And we're actually getting ready for this whole premiere, which was in the fall of 2017. And all of a sudden we're, we're watching this TV show or I got, I got told he was going to be on this TV show. And it was a, um, it was like an American idol, but for a boy band. Um, what the hell is oh, it called? Uh, making the uh, band. No, no, no. Um, um, it's a different one other than that. It was, uh, oh my gosh. Why what, can't I remember the, the name? Oh, okay. Wasn't the one with O-Town? It's outside and... of my, uh, age bracket. Yeah, Sorry, anyway, guys. I, I feel terrible. I can't remember the name, but, um, he is one of the contestants and it goes through this, like, I don't know, six week long ordeal. And it's all put on like Disney it's ABC. So Disney is backing it. And it was all, you know, it was just this big ordeal. It was, uh, Timbaland was one of the judges and, uh, um, uh, who was it with one of the dudes, Nick, whatever from like NSYNC or Lich- back. Yeah, Nick, Nick Lachey. Yeah. And yeah. Hey, it became this like, yeah, nice job, dude. Yeah. It became this, I'm a dork you know, interesting following that started happening with Brady and he, he won, he was the first one picked to be in this final boy band and their boy band name is in real life. And it's him and four other guys from the show. And they are literally touring the world. They blew up his, you know, his, his following became immense. And this little kid who starred in our movie the summer before now was, you know, famous. Wow. And, and that helped us a lot so much. Yeah. So much. Because before he went on tour, we got a behind the scenes interview with him about his experience on the movie. And that was one of the best things we could have done. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was uh he's great. So and, and I'm just I'm so proud of him. He's he's like 17 years old right now, still. Like he's a kid. But that's it that that is also nice that it happened so quick for him, meaning like he did your movie and then the next year, whereas it wasn't 10 years down the road so that you right. have to re-release this movie to get traction <laughs> on it, you know, because right. that happens all the time. Like, like somebody will do a movie and the movie kind of gets buried because it costs or whatever, like we were talking about. And then let's say that person ends up being Brad Pitt, you know, and you're like, oh shit, this guy's super famous. Let's put out this movie we did with Brad Pitt That's when he right. was Bradley <laughs> right, Pitowski right. Yeah. and find, let, let's do this, you know, and, and then they find that money to put it back out. And then the person who was in it was like, yeah, I didn't even know how to act when i made this movie but but with you guys it was it's it was a tighter window and he like you said he was professional and he was already on his way to being that guy oh yeah yeah Yeah. that's that's fascinating that's awesome yeah it was pretty cool you know and and i'm and so taking that experience and going okay man this is not so bad maybe this is this is movie making's not too bad i mean look at all these little you know everybody's coming to help us right everything's happening the way it should happen you know Big crowds, kid that's in it becomes famous. This is great movie making, man. This is this is gonna be easy. And then you decide to we're gonna make a second one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in the <clears throat> interim, uh, in between the first and second, we actually, uh, which my wife is editing right now, we're in post production on a documentary too, which I never wanted. I not never wanted to. I just had no desire ever to do a documentary. Wasn't, yeah, film. it wasn't on your radar. Yeah, right. And so, uh, and Brian, I don't even know if I've talked to you much about this one, but this no, is, no, you uh, it is called a great lakes 
uh, I'm sorry, it's uh, The Worth of Water, A Great Lakes Story. And it's it's all about the, the history of the Great Lakes where, you know, you know, man's involvement with uh, polluting the hell out of the Great Lakes and then also how far we've come since the development of the EPA and, and the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative and all these different um, things that are going on in the Midwest, which a lot of people don't hear about. So it's, it's good to just get the information out there. But these I'm two gals... curious how that happened. Yeah. So these two gals came to us, uh, who one of which I actually... We went to the same high school, but I was graduating. She was coming in. So there's a four-year difference there. But my wife had gone to school at the same time she did. Younger lady and, in his life. <laughs> and they they put on Facebook um, looking for a production company to document this journey we're about to go on. We're going to walk from uh, Lake Michigan and Milwaukee all the way up to Lake Superior. And we're going to take a month to do it. And we'd like to raise awareness for the Great Lakes and interview some people along the way and, and make a film about it. And I was just like, that's crazy. Who the hell does that? Like, why would, that's a lot of walking. I am not athletic. <laughs> and give me some of those wife, runners from the last movie. Yeah, right. There we go. And so my wife is like, this is really, this could be a really big thing. This is a really good idea. Like she's super into, you know, environment and everything. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe we can meet with them. Well, the teacher that I had mentioned before today, earlier, were Deb for Gale. She was a big influence on my life, but she also was a big influence on this gal, Julia's life, who was the, the lead of this project. And she said, BJ, you need to do this. And I was like, Oh, if Deb says, then I have to. <laughs> and so then my wife said the same thing. She goes, let's go have a meeting with them. Let's learn what they're trying to get you know, put together and let's do this. I'm like, okay. So we really went into the meeting already deciding we were going to do it. All of this is like pro bono, like no, there's no budget. This is just a bunch of people who happen to have cameras and want to get behind this. All right. So, yeah. So you had people that wanted to help. Yeah. Once again, we had a group of people that kind of came together uh, really unexpectedly to make a movie. Um, but this time, you know, documentaries are totally different. So this has been a much longer when we shot the rocket, it was 14 days of chaos. <laughs> when this has been a, you know, over a year long process of doing interviews and, and gathering, you know, news clips and, and all different uh, archival footage. And it's it's amazing. So, yeah, documentary wife, filmmaking, by the way, we'll call that slow yeah. burn because it yeah. is a yeah. slow process. It's very methodical. Right. It's completely different. I mean, there's in posts. Sometimes it can you you know, there's repetition and, and, and a lot of methodical um uh, work that needs to be done, but this is over a longer period of time. You are correct. Totally. So it's, but it's been fascinating stuff. I've never known anything about living by the Great Lakes, but right by Lake Michigan. And it's just, uh, it's been a real education. And what ended up happening was we, we made a trailer for it and it got the attention of Mark Ruffalo and his company, Water Defense. He's which from Kenosha, correct? He is. Yeah. That's why he, he got excited about it. And so that's the um, Hulk, John. Mark Ruffalo is the Hulk. Exactly okay. Mark Ruffalo in case you didn't know, yes. He's in spotlight. <laughs> but he's um, also the Hulk, John. There's a lot of Hulks. He's an Avenger. He was he was the Hulk since there was the Avengers. I but think I live in a world with one Hulk, and his name is uh, David Banner. His I name mean, is Lou oh. Ferrigno. Oh, that's right. <laughs> 
Tanner got to uh, meet Lou Frigno. That's my favorite moment when I finally got to meet Lou Frigno. Adam West, Lou awesome. Frigno. I've got to meet. I've got. I've gotten to meet both of them. I don't know what I just said there, but... Can we go back to the Mark Ruffalo being interested in the water documentary? Yeah, back to... Sorry. Thank you. Don't get me excited about Adam West and Lou Ferrigno. Come on. My my bad. Um, No, so anyway, they just... uh, um, His company... So he got... He found out about us. He, like, shared the trailer on Twitter or something, Facebook. I can't remember which social media platform. And then his company reached out to us, uh, basically saying, when you're ready, you know, we would like to view the film we would like to possibly help in any way you need to get this out to the world so we're just wow. like wow holy crap That's you know what crazy. i mean yeah, yeah that doesn't happen so um we are in the midst of you know putting that together still getting we have to like make animations to have some of the science make sense to the person like me who doesn't know jack shit about right this type of topic lay people if um, you will the lay, the lay person. Does that yeah. put more so, pressure on you? Can I ask you something? Does that does that create more anxiety? Because somebody yes. says, "Hey, listen, I saw your project. Now I want to help," and you're like, "Cool." And then all of a sudden, you're like, "But wait a minute," you know? I mean, it's, now it's got to be good. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you, I mean, not that it wasn't that was never the intention in the first place. So, you know, but I feel like it went from a super excited to a oh crap. Yeah. To uh. And then back up to like, we have to finish this thing like in a relatively soon period of time to make sure they don't lose interest. Yeah. And yeah. and I think it just gave, we have to be accountable to somebody now instead of just on our own timetable, which right. I love because a goal without a deadline is just a wish. Like you just have to have checkpoints of getting things finished and and i am a by nature pretty um relaxed person so yeah. this oh, is helpful yeah. for us but are, this is all happening while you're making another film totally so this the rocket is in you know the works at the time and and it just i think it just been released and we uh oh no actually that's funny the girls from the walk were still on their walk when we did that Oriental theater premiere. So they took, they were gone for 28 days and we'd have different camera crews go meet them and bring them like food. And these girls, like they backpacked all the way up, slept in tents. They would meet people at the bars. These people are like, dude, we run a motel. You guys need a room, like go take a shower. It was really cool to see what the, you know, locals would just help these people out with. And um, I'm glad they didn't take offense to go take a shower. Yeah. Yeah. You need a room because yeah. you smell yeah. like assholes. You're a, little, you're a little stinky. Yeah. yeah. I'll give you a beer <laughs> after you shower. Or like, or yeah. because they're women, like, hey, can you go to our, my Bates Motel and take a shower where I can peek through the <laughs> holes in the wall? Don't, don't mind the cameras. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Anyway, good times. Gotta love Wisconsin. So they well, we do um, have we do a per capita for um, you got some serial, serial killers. killers. You got we, some we, killers. We've, we've done we've done um, you know you're the top of the game. Oh, we've co- we've contributed. Yeah, we've, we've done we've done our part. We've done our part. Some of the nicest people that'll eat you, uh, Wisconsin. <laughs> oh my All right. So God. anyway, oh, so sad and true. Yeah. So um, anyway, so all of this is going on at the same time, and then the rocket's done. The worth of water is still getting worked on and Richard and I have a conversation and it was, well, what do we do next? And him and I, when we lived in LA, I don't know if you guys remember the John Cusack, Ray Liotta, Amanda Pete movie called identity, uh, but I yeah. love that movie. And it, 
it had that, you know, psychological thriller thing going on. And, and it was neat to see Cusack in a role that wasn't, you know, a, a comedy or a rom-com or anything. And <clears throat> that uh, kind of inspired Richard and I to, to come up with a suspense thriller, whodunit, murder mystery kind of movie. And we wrote the script for Blame. Well, he wrote it, but him and I came up with the, the outline um, in 2005. He sold it a few years later to a production company, I believe, out of Colorado that and sold it for a pretty good amount, especially for a first time, you know, script selling. And the WGA wrote him a letter and sent him an email or whatever it was and said, look, they their time on that ran out. They have since absolved. They're not a company. You have the rights back to this movie. And he made the money and then he gets it back. Yes, I yes. love that. that one, uh, that's like that, that's that, a, a very dude. rare instance where the uh, little guy wins in Hollywood. Exactly, you know, love it, love it, love it, love it. So, but that told us we had a good story. You know what I mean? Like in order for it to sell, and for it to sell how much it did, and right. Um, and he was you know twenty four at the time or something like that. It, it's it's awesome. Yeah. So he gets that letter or that email or whatever it was as we're finishing up the rocket and he goes, well, I think I know what we're doing next. And I'm like, dude, this movie, it's, it's almost like a play where it's one night, one location, you know, there's some setup yeah. and, and driving stuff, getting to this location, but it's a, a snowstorm locks these kids into a building. They try to survive the night. They split up to find help, you know, stuff, a phone or whatever. They come back together. One of them's dead. And it becomes a, Holy crap. Are we even alone in this place? And, um, I've been so excited about this movie just because I love, you know, I'm not going to give anything away, but it, it's a, it's a unique ending. It's, it's, it feels like your typical murder mystery kind of movie, but it's, it's really clever. And I've always wanted to direct this movie. And so Richard's like, okay, I'm passing the buck to you. You're up on this one. And I was like, Oh crap. Okay, sweet. Here we go. And it, it was what 35 years at the time of wanting to just do this uh, coming to fruition. And we shot during the polar vortex in January of this year where it was <laughs> negative 40 freaking degrees. Dude, I was in Madison for one of those weekends, and it was insane. Negative 36 now, the whole time yeah. I was there. Yes. What you go fuck? outside. That's not and, human and you... weather. That's a that's a different no. planet. That is that's filming a, weather. That's like Pluto. Dude. That's a planet that's so far away from the sun it can become negative. Like that's that's fucking crazy talk. It was unreal. And so what so was he made cool... a movie about it or in it, in it in it. Well, here's the thing. Three weeks leading up to production, there's no snow there's in no Wisconsin. Snow. Well, remember you and I were talking about it. Remember? Oh, so, no. I mean, this is it's it's uh, this is what I was talking about about you know there you and I had conversations where you didn't even know if this thing was going to get off the ground. Remember? And it's yeah, just like yeah. We're like, then, okay, do we do we turn it into a rainstorm? Like, what the hell do we do? You know? <laughs> and you just went for it, man. And you get what you get, right? That's what you learn. You get yep. what you get. You you just have to see things through, and. It can scare the hell out of you, but while you're doing it, all of a sudden these little belief bullets go off and you're like, oh my gosh, this is actually, I'm really glad we did this because look what happens. And we got like a foot and a half or something amount of snow a couple days before we start shooting and the whole state is white and we're ready to go. Yeah. Like it was amazing. And then when you talk about 
the cold, the cameras we use, we use the Aerialexes, and those suckers are rated for like negative 40 or 50. And we were pushing the envelope on that. Wow. And we had hot hands, you know, those, those things you yes. shake up and they get yeah. hot. We taped those things to the batteries because the batteries <laughs> were lasting 15 minutes. And, but it started working. They were going 25 minutes. It was awesome. So anyway, <laughs> a little behind the scenes that, there. That was, there's so much I could talk about the experience of making on that movie in another time, but it was just, we had cast come in from LA. We, we did all SAG. We, we changed our caliber with performance on, on this movie we learned. And um, these people flew in from Los Angeles. One guy was from Chicago. We told everybody it's a local hire. And they all said, we love the script. We want to come. We'll figure out where be we part can of sleep. Yep, yeah. That's exactly what they did. And so because the storms got so bad in midweek of production, this was, again, um, 14 days of shooting and a lot were nights. We ended up getting... Uh, a couple uh, Airbnb houses, one for crew and one for cast, because we did not want people commuting in this stuff. It was no. nuts. Yeah. Um, but that turned into a whole fun, you know, the, the actors, like they became the best of friends. And even now, like four of the five of them are out in, in LA and they hang out all the time and they didn't know each other before this. One of the couples, which we didn't know, they're actually married. So they did know each other. Um, but we didn't know that when we cast the husband and wife as the two leads, wow. we had no idea they knew each other. That's funny. So that's it crazy. Was, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. Did so, you, did you, was this the same experience again? You were filming in Wisconsin. You had a lot of people stepping up and helping out. Were you doing, are you part of, uh, because of the way you did it? Are you involved with Wisconsin filming now? Was there tax incentives involved? Like what, what how did, was there anything new that you had learned from the last time? Besides upping your cast and going SAG. So we, uh, there are no tax incentives uh, yet. We, I'm actually on a, a committee that's um, leading that charge to get them back. Um, but when they were here for a little bit and then they went away. But anyway, so when we saw how much the community came together for the rocket, we said, okay, we can do this again and we can do it now knowing what we learned from the rocket, we can change some things. We can, we can make it better. Um, we, we know where to put the money and where is pretty much a waste. Stop worrying about certain things. Um, and yeah, once again, I mean, you talk about locations that came through, you talk about, um, uh, we needed to do so many driving shots. We ended up using my wife's Jeep Grand Cherokee as the main picture car, which is supposed to be crashed. Hmm. So that was fun. Um, <laughs> now, when we, did you I tell called, her that? Well, after, you know, after, she, she, after? no, she, she knew, she knew she's like, well, we're insured and you're an idiot. So let's go with it. Um, <laughs> and so Love. we, we totally fudged and faked the whole crash. Everything was, you know, totally Hollywooded. The car's perfectly fine. There is one little dent. Um, uh, but <laughs> in your relationship, we, uh, doing good, doing good. Okay. Still patching that up like, uh, <laughs> like the tire, but no, um, no, it, it worked out wonderfully. And the location that we ended up using as the main place um, in the script originally it was a sporting goods store. And, and we changed it to a an abandoned school because eight minutes from my house, there's an abandoned school that the awesome. owner said, yeah, you guys can use this for here you go. It'll be like your studio. Here are the keys. Yeah, that's and what a producer does, right? It's like, like you man. said, it's like, oh, there's no snow. Well, guess what? It's raining now or whatever it is you get. You have yeah. to. 
you, you have to start dissecting, if you want to make something, right, you have to start dissecting what matters to the story. At totally. what point do you have to call it off because it now has affected the story? Past that, adjustments can be made. That's what producers do. That's what creative types do. That's what directors do. That's what storytellers do. They say, yep. Does, will this or will this not affect our story? No. Then move it on. And it sounds like that's what you were learning along this process. Totally. It's, it, you have, my mom always says, blessed are the flexible for they never get bent out of shape. And that's just something that <laughs> oh, like you that. literally have to mold with. You got to go with stuff. You got to go with the flow sometimes, but still add the level of creativity that you want. Does your mom, is that on a quilt or could your mom it's quilt t-shirts, that? T-shirts. t-shirts. No, t-shirts. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. yeah. She's not a quilter. She's not a quilter. Okay. She's not knitting no, it. No. Okay. All right. No. Um, so anyway, that's where, um, that's where we're at now. We're in post-production. The trailer's done. We haven't released it online, but, uh, blame. I am, uh, one way we're saving money also on the budget is I'm editing it. And, um, can I ask you a question? Well, what one, obviously directed it. So that was exciting, right? I mean, that was totally my gosh, dream, dream come true and a challenge come true as well. Right. Oh yeah. Um, and do you like editing? I, I don't like editing i like having had edited <laughs> right but, but you like uh, to me because that's uh, a process uh oh, yeah. but as um as someone who's acted i think i i really prefer a director who also knows how to edit and is also maybe editing the project so that when you're i feel like you waste less time when the director knows he can see it in his head he's edited how before he knows how it's going to cut he knows what's yeah. happening because sometimes as an actor, it can get confusing when you shoot out of order and whatever. But, uh, but I like I always like when a director is also an editor. I really appreciate that. Cool. I know. I, <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, yeah, I, I, I did it no, out of necessity I, to save money. Otherwise, I would have hired somebody, and, and that's and, fair and too. And what about and, and where are you this time around? What are you thinking as far as distribution? Are you have you what have you learned from the distribution model that uh, obviously we don't have a boy band in this one, so. Right. How, how not are yet. you? Uh, well, not yet, anyway. Um, keep monitoring. <laughs> I mean, what? So, what's the process for you uh, once this thing is done? Like, how are you? How are you looking at this one? So, this one, because of we did a little bit of film festivals with uh, the Rocket, mm-hmm. and it, you know, for the the family feel good crowd, it did very well, and it it you know has a whole bunch of laurels and blah blah blah, and that's that's wonderful, but nothing came from it. Well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that one thing recently did come from it where we have now, uh, we are, are taking the rocket on a different distribution distribution path internationally, which is kind of exciting. Um, so we're, we're working all that out now. We just signed a thing, a whole agreement where we still retain rights, but it's anyway, um, that company doesn't typically do suspense thrillers. They do family films. So this one, again, we'll do a little bit of the film festivals because there's more of a, there's a lot more for this type of genre, mm-hmm. I think, than yes. a family film. Yes. Way bigger audience. Um, your reach is much further. And it, if all else kind of fails with that, we'll go, we'll, to have conversations with distributor again, um, because we were able to control some things that uh, I was still pretty pleased overall, uh, with that experience. But I really do think international for a suspense thriller is, is a necessity too, if you're going to want to make money. And, um, yeah, so we're, we're, 
working all those chess pieces out right now. We're playing the game. So let's, um, as we wrap up here, let's just talk about a couple things. Um, do you, now that you've been gone and you've basically pursued your whole career back home, which is so amazing, the fact that you felt you needed to leave home in order to do it. It turns <laughs> out you're doing it back home. Do yeah. you, how do you see your, do, when you think about your career and its trajectory at this point, does it even, do you even care where you're making this stuff anymore? Does that, is that even part of it? Or are you just like, this is where I'm based out of and I'm going to keep making it. And if I make one in Chicago, if I make one in LA, if I make one in New York, if I make another one in Wisconsin, it doesn't <clears> matter <throat> to me. Like, what is your, what is your game plan? What is your ideology at this point in your, in your life as to how these things are playing out and how you think about things moving forward? So I, I'm open to anything, but at the same time, what I know I can control is making things here. And so with the budgets that we pull together with the, the cast and crew and the people that we're starting to network with that are at a much higher caliber. Um, something I didn't mention was we had this gentleman, uh, come out and gaff. It was his first feature film. He was gaffing for the rocket. He ended up being our cinematographer on, um, blame because from the rocket he then started his own uh rental house and production company out of chicago got extremely successful he's he's still young he's like 25 he's wicked talented and he ended up having those cameras and so he's like all right why don't we shoot and blame let's do it and he had his crew of guys that man they're they're in their mid twenties, but they're working like they were, you know, grip and electric department from something that's been going on for 20 years. It blew my mind. Actually, they probably weren't. They were probably working like young, hungry, uh, professionals. Whereas <laughs> well, a grip yeah, department that's been in Hollywood call. for several years is usually lazy and fucking <laughs> annoying. No, no. Some. Sorry. I've worked with a lot of dickheads that, uh, that, that have come to me under the guise of being really hard workers. And then you listen to them talk and you're around them and you realize they have so many years in the business they've figured out how to exactly do nothing. And you're like, oh, great, you've mastered that. Now how about picking that thing up and moving it over there? But you do bring up uh, something pretty interesting, PJ. Are you seeing, because of technology and the shift of globalization and the way filmmaking has changed, are you seeing more people develop skills and being good at them where you are versus what you would have probably seen 20, 25 years ago? 100%. To the, to the point where now something else we're doing with our life is creating a nonprofit called Community Arts and Media out of Racine, which is going to teach kids video production. And we're tying in with Racine Unified School District, and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on there um, that we can train up the next generation to keep things localized in Wisconsin and keep crew here so they don't have to leave. That's awesome. And then start... Uh, much bigger, which also ties into the initiative with the film tax incentive. So there's a lot happening uh, in little old Wisconsin that we're excited about. Well, shocking because you uh, are, you know, being based somewhere near Kenosha and me being a graduate of uh, William Horlick High School over seeing Wisconsin class of 1986. Go. I've been to Carthage um, College just to hang there out. You go. And that's Kenosha. There you go. Kenosha there you County, go. right? There Carthage. Um, on behalf, as a graduate, uh, I say thank you for uh, being able to look <laughs> past your competition uh, from a different city and being able to pump into the, the Racine, if you will. But I, I, I mean, I really think that's great that you're, 
you're not just making movies. You're not just able to make movies there. You're also able to give back and and teach kids. Like honestly, without what you're doing, do they ever get any kind of education in the in the film world? Do they ever think? Because as a kid from the Midwest, I mean, yeah, I went to the same high school as John Belushi, and that was brought up several times. You know, when I was growing up, John Belushi went to this high school, but I didn't think, oh yeah, from high school I can go be on SNL. Right. You know, right. I, I was like, well, that's fucking crazy. They must have <laughs> left a long time ago because how else do you even get involved in the entertainment industry? Like, I didn't see it as a viable option because no one ever said, oh, yeah, you can go do this because right. you did. You don't know. And there was no classes. There was no schooling for it that, that I was aware of when I was a kid. I'm sure there was, but it wasn't readily available to me. Whereas if I had known, I could have stayed in Chicago and made movies and been an actor and been a comedian and been a writer and... All those things I could have done in the Midwest, I don't know that I would have come to Los Angeles, you know? I'm glad I did. Yeah. I love it out here. I have no complaints. But the fact that you're teaching people that you don't need to be in L.A. or New York to make movies. You can do it from anywhere. And now that the equipment is kind of come down, some of it has come down in cost. Some of it's readily available. People are shooting whole movies on phones. Like, oh, yeah. And, and then people are learning to edit on their own, like iMovie and that kind of thing. These programs weren't around, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. It's like it, it's just changed. The tools are all readily available. It's just how much desire do you have to really do it? Yeah. And, and with someone teaching you that you can do it and you yeah. can make something. And then you not yep. only are going to be teaching these kids, you're, you're an example. You're a, look at this guy. Like he went out and learned some things in L.A. Yeah. But he learned most of what he learned in what's I mean, you learned the set from being at Amityville. You learned, you know what I mean? You learned these things that you learned in Wisconsin, brought them out to LA, and they were like, you know what? I can do all this shit back home. Yeah. I, I just think that's, that's, that's awesome. Do you long for LA anymore? I mean, I, 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 it's not, there was, do you regret, you don't, I, you probably don't. I just, I'll ask the question, no. but do, do you regret leaving? No, not at all. And do you ever wake up and go, I, I wish I was back out there? Um, I miss the Herald. <laughs> and when it's 30 well, negative 36 well, degrees well, out, you're I mean, like, hey, you know what's not bad is uh, <laughs> 70 degree weather. Oh uh, well, yeah, weather, weather, whatever. I yeah. guess yeah. I love like weather change. I love the cold. I love the fall. I love you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Look, man, I you can I, I appreciate the fact that I've always appreciated <laughs> the fact that you romanticize the Herald Examiner. I um. Mm -hmm. And John already knows this, you know, I obviously put my heart and soul into that place and I've got a lot of great oh, yeah. stories, but you know, you learn in life, there's no going back and it is gone. And it what's what's funny about it is that after it got shut down and they gutted it and they ripped down all those sets and I saw, you know, I came back in and saw where the set for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia was and no one cared about the history of it and just threw it in the trash and Oh. Where the police station was, and you know all the th all the memories of all the great things and all the great actors and all the great people that I met over the years were all gone. And then I came back and I worked on The Apprentice, uh, the Schwarzenegger version of The Apprentice, and I'll never forget. I think I told John this story, and like this for me, kind of like it 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 allowed me to let go. And, you know, they filmed in the lobby, um, you know, the, the opening sequence with Schwarzenegger filmed in the lobby and then when it was all done. A good friend of ours, uh, Joe Burke, was uh, locations on it. And, and Joe and I and a couple of the producers and uh, Duan Johnson, yeah. who was another uh, yeah. former Herald employee. We went over to the Ace Hotel we grab, to grab a drink on top 
And I'll never forget the producer said to me, because I was just repping the building, you know. And he goes, you know, I got to be honest with you. I don't know what the fuck we paid you for. And right there, I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm done doing this kind of fucking work. <laughs> wow. I'm done. Because it was like, it was just, it was enough closure for me to go, this is, this is what he, the, the, I did it. I, I, I helped them make something. And he just was like, you're useless to fucking me. You're useless. And I was just like, I didn't like that feeling. And I knew that it was that, I, that I was like, I compartmentalized what I loved about the Herald Examiner and what I loved about it. And what I don't, what I didn't like about it was people like that, that never appreciated anything that I brought to the table. For them, th- 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 but th- th- those are far and few between. Most of the people were great to work with, but it was yeah. for me that was it. It was the begin. It was the end. I knew that was it. I was done, and so I didn't want to keep going back to that well because I wanted to romanticize like you do, and and only think about the great experiences that I had at that place because it was, and no one will ever really know this except for a select few. Is one of the most filmed locations in the history of filmmaking in Los Angeles ever. Yep. Ever. There was Bob Hope cue cards in that building. Oh, they're in my building. Yeah, there I, I is there is a script to the ALF TV movie <laughs> in that building. There are, <laughs> there are things that have been lost in television yeah. history that were at the Herald Examiner. Absolutely. Hanging out, yeah. Absolutely. Everybody from Eminem to Tom Cruise to... John Huck, to Eddie John Pence. Huck, <laughs> to Raniac have come through the doors. <laughs> yeah of the Herald Examiner to uh, RIP. It's now actually Arizona State University's School of um, uh, Online... New, not news reporting. Uh, journalism? Journalism, thank you. It's, it is now going to be ASU School of Journalism. Wow. What? So, and yeah, that's what it is. They've, they've, they're, they're, they're leasing... Arizona State University is leasing... Wow. Uh, it's going to be a school of journalism, which is great. It will have its own second life. Or th- actually, oh. no, third life. I'm sorry. It'll have its third life from a newspaper yeah. to. Yeah. Hopefully, they start putting up plaques around the place going, like, here's where yeah. Brian got mad at a producer. Ah. Here's <laughs> where. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, so like I said, I just put a little uh, a little stamp on it. I, I romanticize the Herald the same way you do. I, a lot of great moments in there. Uh, a lot of nights that I slept there. <laughs> for yeah. 36 hours straight on a variety of different productions and. So it was great. I wouldn't have met you if I didn't work there. So, agreed. And, Same and here, Michael man. Del Polito. Oh, Del is a wonderful <laughs> human being. Del, so funny. I always forget that his name is Michael, and we always just call him Del. Everybody oh, yeah. has nicknames, right? Yep. Yep. Always. Um, but yeah. So I mean, it, it's it, for you. It, it's just interesting to me that you were able to, after everything that you said, and I was like, oh, there's another one we've lost to the wind. He's gone. Right. We're never going to see this guy again. And and for you to. Do what you have done has been amazing. Not just um, do it, but do it well. Do it well. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 do, and, and, and I know, buckle up, there's, there's a lot more to come from you. I think you're gonna, there's going to be a lot of positive noise coming from Wisconsin, and I think a lot of it's going to be because of B.J. Raniac and, and what you've managed to accomplish, and, and, your, and your wife. I don't, I don't want to um, dismiss all that she – I mean, we, we listen to this story. This is not She's just, a huge part not, of it, this yeah. This is not just your journey. This is, this is her journey, too, and – Oh, yeah. And and just so everybody knows, uh, you do have a child. I do, yeah. So uh, and and didn't even mention that in the in the whole mix of it all in 2016, right before three months before we filmed the rocket, uh, our second child was born healthy as can be. His name is Miles. He's hilarious, and 
Angie and I were ecstatic about just, okay, let's, we can still do the family thing. We can still do this dream thing. We can make it totally happen together. That's, uh, congratulations, because that's awesome. Thank you. I didn't know about that part. Um, it's called the reveal, John, at the end. I love it. It's called the reveal. <laughs> it's way good, good, it's po- good storytelling. Good podcast producing, weirdo. Um, so what, for your two years in L.A., what were some of your highlights? We obviously talked about Danny DeVito. What were some of your other highlights of your, your tenure in L.A. that you remember? First of all, for, I just want to say that two years is like, again, it's like a, a month and a half in L.A. terms. Like, yeah, because you just never stop. You it's never, crazy. And the fact that you were working the whole time and still left is crazy because <laughs> most people are like, I haven't had a job in two years, but I keep hanging on. You're like, no, nah, I've been working nonstop. I'm going back to Wisconsin. Like, what? Like, that's just, a, that's just all very bold, you know? I love it. Um, I it's actually all the best memories comes from the Herald, uh, from working on Dream Girls and being the one who controlled the freight elevator because Jamie Foxx wasn't legally allowed to touch the button to make it go up or down. And um, I'm like tucked in a corner, and that elevator was pretty small. And um, then working on uh, watching Joe Rogan blow up on someone on fear factor was hilarious. This contestant wouldn't stop talking over him <laughs> and he just put her in her place. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Everybody got so uncomfortable. <laughs> and, um, and then, um, the number 23, I don't know if you remember that movie. Yeah. Uh, Jim Joel, Carrey movie. Joel, Sh- Joel, yes. Joel Schumacher, so, Jim Carrey movie. Yeah. yeah, man. I, I learned a lot of interesting things on that. I learned how, some people treat people and make them feel like gold. And I loved watching Virginia Madsen and Jim Carrey treat people so good. I also remember watching certain people on that crew that were not very respectful to others. They were at a high level and, you know, and, and they would talk down to people, even their, you know, even people in the cast and how that, that trickle down effect is just, it can ruin the morale on the movie. But every what was cool about that particular project is Jim Carrey like bought a in and out burger truck and that thing pulled up a whole semi pulled up and the sides flipped open and there were employees in there cooking food for the whole crew on a Friday night night shoot and he surprised everybody with it. It was awesome. That is awesome. Um, that dude, yeah, he he was that was a cool experience. Um yeah, I don't know, man. There's there's a lot of there, a lot of neat things. Just about the that Jim Carrey thing. There's there's something I I worked on this thing with a, a guy named John Ennis who's been in probably 150 different movies, but he was on Mr. Show for a long time, and and we were both talking about kind of that that the trickle down of like whether you treat people with respect and you're nice to them or whether you think you're a yeller and you're a big shot or whatever the effect that has on other people. And nobody really remembers uh, how great you were at your job. They remember how they made you. You remember how people made you feel. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, like Jim Carrey. We are. He's established. He's an actor. Like whether you like all his movies or not, that's one thing. But like when you had contact with him, he made you feel like you were a worthwhile person. So totally. that, that shit, like that's the kind of thing. Like I've only met Jim Carrey once, and he was just a, a really like a no. Hey, how you doing, man? Oh, great to meet you. Just a really nice guy. It wasn't like he he just makes you feel like you belong there he belong you're just in a conversation it's like we always talk about Brody Stevens like Brody Stevens made people feel like they made me feel like I belonged in comedy like the people that make you feel like what you're doing is the right choice those are the people 
that I, you know, always want to see at the top and I always want to see succeeding because they bring people up all the time. They raise people up instead of trying to cut them down because they're they're already. Uh, I mean, even in all the self doubt and and the and the and the self loathing people like that can have for themselves, they're they're. There's also somebody different who's like, I need to tear people down to feel good about myself. And those people yep. are shit. And I hope those people don't ever work again. And that's never the case. A lot of them rise to power and they're the ones making decisions. But because they're cutthroat and they're fucking jerk-offs. Not because they're talented or they're skilled. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's an un- unfortunate truth. But yeah. um, it's getting exposed more and more. It and is. It's becoming less and less. And I love it. That I, You know what? I think that is a good... like. Get the fucking Weinstein out of here. Like, we don't need guys who threaten people and try to ruin careers. Like, there's enough room for everybody in this business. Just let people do what they want to do, you know, that's not jerking off into plants or raping people or whatever, you know. Well said, John. (laughs) Wow, there it is. I'm just trying to help the plant community. I don't want people jerking off on the plants. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. I will say, going back to plants, there were, and BJ knows this, there were a couple plants at the Herald Examiner <laughs> that is probably in about 5,000 different things. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Those, you know which one I'm talking the about? The most there acted those, plants in Hollywood? They, they, were the, they, they were usually over by my old office, and there were those like tall, skinny ones. And anytime people anywhere. needed to fill a frame, they would run and grab those and just pop it in. I, I just, one of these days, I want them to get a Lifetime Achievement Award or an Academy Award. <laughs> it would be so great if you were patient enough to edit out. down every scene <laughs> in everything that these plants have been in and just oh like, my God. like an Has in memoriam. Seen a rubber tree plant. Yes, yeah, right. Yes. An in memoriam of everything this plant has done. Like, now it's wilted because no one's at the Herald. Well, it's, it's re- it was a fake plant. And I oh, guarantee you, it's, it's still not Hollywood magic. I guarantee you it didn't get thrown out. When no. that place got closed down, it just got it either got moved to L.A. Center Studios or another It's going to be at the school. You're going to walk in the front door of the Arizona <laughs> Journalism School and be like, whoa, well, I know this plant. It, it is probably still out there crushing it in the, back, in, in the background of, like, so many... It's probably been it's probably been co-starring with so many of our oh, favorite man. actors and yeah. actresses over the years. Oh, I, I hope it's in a dressing room seeing people naked. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> to bring it back to, bring it back to, to the part weird. we were trying to get away from. John brought it love back, it. but no, BJ, man, thank you so much for sharing your story. I I, I love the I, I I'm I'm mad at myself for not having you on sooner because. This is one of my f- most favorite episodes from Blockbuster to Wisconsin to <laughs> well Blockbuster to, to just, L.A. back to Wisconsin. It's well, no, like, just just yeah. the topics, you know, yeah. just just the fact that 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 it was it's all Hollywood and it's yet it's it's not Hollywood at all, but yet it's all filmmaking and it's all back home. That I just you know what I, I love it all. I think that what we're seeing more and more because we talked to someone last week who had moved away from L.A. to start an acting school and, and be an actress in, in Denver. And and I think what you see more and more is like, there's Hollywood, and then there's filmmaking, yeah. and there's art, mm. and there's growth, and there's, um, you know, uh, it's it, it's it's a class. It's it's like the art form of the whole thing of everything you do, whether you're a comic, an actor, a director, a writer, whatever. It, Hollywood is a term we use for like these big budget things that like everybody yeah Hollywood is Avengers Endgame like we all oh it's a 3 hour movie it cost a billion dollars that's Hollywood because when you break it down the substance is like oh, okay it's good but there's there's more substance in other movies that are being made by artists who care about things such as water conservation and water purity in at the Great Lakes or and that's just on the documentary side which are usually documentaries 
uh, usually steer towards the more let's fix something, let's do something better about this, or but also like like I'm I'm excited to see this movie uh, blame and and I'll see the rocket when I can and like you know what I mean just the fact that you made these things out of the pure love of filmmaking and working with your friends and and doing something that everything positive came out of that. I think that's that's a that's a good story. That's awesome. I appreciate it and thank you for well, taking the time. Well, thank you guys very much for for having me on. This was this and was fun just to talk about. I well, told good, you. Good, I good, told good. you, man. I told and, you to get blast. And and just one more time, when when do you think blame blames in post now? Blame is in post now. We are You're editing to uh, yes, yeah, so um, have it rough cut by the end of October so the music can be all done. And then we kind of button everything back up for um, the early parts of 2020. Sure. If we self-distribute again and go through distributor, then I, I want to release this puppy as soon as possible when it's actually cold out. Right, yeah, least, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's very timing on all that. Um but yeah, we will see what comes. Uh, this is going to be an interesting journey on that one as well. Early 2020 is perfect. It's freezing cold in, in Wisconsin, and, and it's also like you're past the holidays, so there's a little bit of bleakness to everything, and yes. a, little, a little sadness to everything. That's like, oh, we got to <laughs> wait for Christmas to come again, you know. But then there's also it's the new year, so that it's like a it's like a weird mixture of like, all right, we got to kick it into gear and get our lives together for this year, and oh man, we uh, holidays are over. So there's the like, I, that's a, that's a really uh, that's a good time for something that you're describing as blame. Like I like that. That's cool. It's the emotional roller coaster, and that's yeah. what the movie will do. So it's boom, perfect. boom, love it, uh, dude. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. Uh, we look forward to so much more from you, and really appreciate you taking the time, man. Yeah, man. Thank you so much, Thanks. Rainiac the Maniac. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right, man. Take it easy. See you, BJ. Thanks for All listening, right, everybody. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> <laughs>